Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. What up, Gypsy Gang? Sorry, it's been a little bit longer between drinks and we normally run things. We had some very eventful travel. I'm going to go into it on the next episode that we record. Before we go into today's episode with Hellman and Big Wave Surfer, Ryan Hipwood, we have to give a massive shout out to our sponsors. Uh, Firstly, the gang at Boost Mobile for everything that they've done over these last couple episodes. Their help's been amazing. Uh, Such a rad team of people that are at Boost Mobile and it helps that the product's rad too. I think too, even aside from like, you know, every week I kind of read out the features of what they offer as a product, but I'd sort of want everyone to think about what brands like that actually do for the sports that we're into. I mean, a lot of you guys are Supercross fans. They sponsor Chad Reed. They've sponsored Chad for years. Um, You know, they were putting money into teams. You look at V8 Supercars, they're sponsoring cars. So I think that there needs to be an association from the public in a way of the fact that without brands like this that have that core value at heart like Boost Mobile do, without brands like that, it's really hard to go racing uh, for these teams like a Chad Reed, those kind of guys. It, it sort of takes that corporate sponsorship for them to even be able to do what they do and, and kind of get to the start line. So, I mean, aside from all of the the great features they have as a brand on the product end, I mean, it's just rad to be associated with a company that puts in the effort into the things that that we are into i'm like you guys in terms of the sports i like the 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 things i watch and we're all very similar in that regard i think and you know whether it's the wsl that they sponsor or like i said chad reed so i think it's just important sometimes to take a bit of a step back and and really think that you know these these brands and these companies that are supporting teams and athletes are the reason we get to sit down on a on a saturday and a Sunday and kind of watch these guys perform at their best. So with that being said, we'll talk a little bit about some of the product stuff I haven't actually spoken uh, about in these reads. So I think the first thing that's that's pretty cool is the data rollover. So if you don't use all of your data in the month, that will actually roll over. So if you do what I've done and got the $50 plan with the 20 gig and you don't use that, that automatically rolls over to next month. The other thing that I did was I moved my number over from my previous service provider to Boost and they take care of all of that. Basically, yeah, you just get the SIM and you activate 
activate it and boost does all the rest so that's a really really cool feature that those guys offer now where do you get the sim you can get the sim online at boost.com.au or they have over 8,000 uh, retailers like Coles, Woolies, uh, Big W, Kmart, 7-Eleven. Um, I posted a picture to our story the other day of uh, Boost Stand in uh, Servo. So they're everywhere. It's a really easy um, way to do it. And with Boost, there's no lock-in contracts. So more information, you can, again, hit that website or you can give the guys a follow on Instagram. They sponsor a bunch of really rad people, so it's actually a good follow anyway. And that is at Boost Oz. Secondly, we have to give a massive shout out to Steel and his crew at SLD Surfboards. Uh, we're running a comp right now. So you can win your own custom made board by Steel. Uh, I've got one being made at the moment that I'm absolutely frothing on, but you guys can get one as well. We're going to get a cool Gypsy Tales logo put into it. All you have to do to enter is take a screenshot uh, listening to the podcast and then tag at Gypsy Tales Podcast and then tag at SLD Surfboards. That's it. We're just going to randomly pick a winner in a couple weeks and you could be shredding on a new board. With that being said, there's only one winner for this comp. And if you need a new board and you don't want to risk waiting and like seeing the draw for the comp and being the one person, you can just straight up buy a board off steel. Um, go to his Instagram page, check out what the kind of stuff that he can shape. Cause he's a wizard. He can do it all. Um, he's got a crazy group of team riders that ride for him, including the one and only Matthew Hoy. So, you know, Hoy ain't riding no shit box boards. So if Hoy trusts steel, then you should trust steel because Hoy can surf better than you. Also, really quickly, I know this has been a really long intro to this podcast. Uh, I'm going to be at the Transmoto 8-hour event at Gum Valley in Mackay on the 27th and 28th of May. Uh, we have the crew going down there. It's going to be me, my brother Matty, Sam Moore, Ives, who else is going? Jacobs is going. The whole crew is going to go down there. So they still have a bunch of teams available. Come down. It's a sick weekend. Uh, we've spoken about the six hour on the podcast before this is the first time we'll be doing the eight hour but it's the same crew that run the event it's our same crew that goes and does it the screaming eagle may or may not be there i'm not sure i cartwheeled it the other day and she's pretty banged up so i'm not 100 percent sure if the screaming eagle is going to make it but i will be there and i'm really looking forward to it so if any of you guys uh, have that weekend free make the trip down you will not regret it and i'd love to hang out and have a beer with uh with anyone that listens to the podcast that's for sure so long little ad read but a bunch of cool shit going on so thanks for sticking it out with all that out the way let's uh introduce today's guest for this episode of gypsy tales none other than ryan hipwood ryan is a big wave surfer who competes on the uh, wsl big wave tour uh he's just a all-round rad guy um he's Definitely put a lot of thought into what he does for a living um, over the years. And you can sort of tell that he's really kind of thought about the reasons why he sort of does the things that he does. Um, we spoke a lot about some really cool breathing stuff, which is actually going to lead into another podcast we having up, uh, we have coming up. Yeah, we touched on a bunch of stuff on this podcast and, you know, three hours went by really, really quickly. So... I hope everyone enjoys listening to this as much as I enjoyed making it because it was a super, super rad, rad chat with a, with a great guy. So without any more nonsense from me, Ryan Hipwood. 
We're doing it, mate. It's happening. It's been a while coming, really. It has, mate. It has. I feel like we're old mates from way back. It's the <laughs> yeah. first time we've actually met. It's a bit like that, isn't it? Yeah. So you're getting into the podcast game. I am. I'm going to give it a crack, mate. I uh, the extreme sports world is a, as you know, it's 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 a hustle. Yeah. And it is. Uh, and so I'm just trying to tie a bit more stuff in when I travel and obviously got some pretty interesting friends and they've always got some funny stories to tell um you know when we go out and get on the pierce you know we're always talking some really interesting shit so you know i thought if i can you know bring a recorder and get some good equipment and yeah make it make it something then why not and it's definitely um it's a way like i think that once you get rolling because have you done many of them before like actually sat down or is this your first like proper one I've done podcasts okay, before with yeah. other people, yeah. but I haven't I haven't really hosted a podcast, so to speak, yeah. live or like yeah. I've done trial podcasts and stuff that have, you know, gone all right. Yeah. But uh yeah, I'm I'm a bit of a virgin, man. I'm just gonna throw myself in the deep end and That's see right. what you'll, happens. You'll be fine. <laughs> I think you'll find though, like it's it's gonna be interesting for you because I think you'll find you'll actually mates that you've hung out with for years and years and years like you'll hear some first time stuff and you'll get really like you'll get closer with your mates like i've found with doing this that and i guess the other thing too is like you start to be critical of um yourself as a conversationalist so like i'll listen i mean i've kind of stopped listening to these as much as i did at the start because i'm like oh how's it sound and this and then you sort of start doing a bunch of them to wear like you hate your own voice oh i kind of got over that because it's like well fuck you can't change <laughs> yeah it. you can't change it <laughs> so you, it's like you're just... stuck with your own voice aren't you, you yeah but there is some good editing you can do yeah. so you can make yourself sound a bit sexier yeah, yeah. <laughs> or just be sick all the time yeah well you're a part of this game all right you that's what you do so you've got you know the editing software yeah. i'm screwed i'm just gonna have to rely on someone else to do yeah that sort of nah, they'll, they'll, they'll take care of you but yeah you get like almost critical on yourself and i think as you go along you'll stop saying um as much and you can you actually critique the way that you talk you're like oh was i listening enough was i because i think that was the the hardest thing for me in the first few is um letting that you don't want silence yeah so exactly. you try and you're almost like overcompensating jump. for yeah for it. and I, you're jumping in you're like oh, but you hadn't finished what you said so it's like it's definitely like a learning curve eh? oh for sure i mean the trial ones that i did do the hardest thing for me was just to listen like i, yeah. I find like it was hard to be on the other spectrum and actually ask the questions but not talk yeah. and just you know let the questions roll out and or let that sorry let the answers roll out but um it, it's funny that you said that because i've i've heard my friends do podcasts and i learned more about my friends within these podcasts yeah. than what i even knew about them it was really wild like i heard one from mark matthews and we're, we're really tight friends and uh you know obviously you've gone through a lot of shit together and i learned a lot about deeper stuff about him in a podcast and what i you know he's ever told me you know i, I think it's just the australian way we don't really yeah, get too true. deep yeah. with our mates you know it, it's pretty rare that you do that but um i feel like with podcasts that's what it's all about you know learning stuff about someone that you just r- didn't really know much about you know much of yeah so. i think too it's it you definitely you know like for example we're a couple minutes in it's just still that 
It's like a if, yeah. You you watch UFC a lot, right? I do. Yeah, yeah it's like it. that first. You know, you're getting that first little thing. There's a couple things being, and you're trying to get that flow. Yeah, and then five you know four and a half minutes into the third yeah, round you're deep it. you forget where you are you're just fucking going for it and like yeah. even the last couple that i've done have been because i guess at the start it was like guess and i know my guess well and uh for the most part like at the start like harley and and toby they're like really good friends of mine yeah but they're athletes so it's like there's that stuff to talk about people are going to listen to them because they're athletes yeah exactly and the last couple, like I just did one with Sam Moore. And I do you know Sam Moore? He um, possibly. Oh, he's a fucking legend. He um he started fist gloves. Oh right. So like it's a glove. So yeah, it's a moto different sort of world to where you're at. Yeah. But um we've been friends. I just posted a, like one of those throwback pictures on Facebook of like eight years ago. Me and him at a national together when we were both like twenty or twenty one or whatever. And um he's not a name dude he's not an athlete it's just he's a friend of mine right and i i, I said i come away that podcast and i'm like fuck man like i don't know if i was that down to say what i said yeah because, yeah yeah you're deep you're in that three hour mark and you just forgot about everything <laughs> and it's like all that you know all that stuff comes out and the same with yeah. like uh jeff weatherall you'd know jeff yeah yeah i do yeah he yeah. come on the other night and um yeah we're just talking weird shit about like weird dreams and you know so you just yeah there's definitely a different thing that happens when you're forced to turn off all your phones and the only sound you can hear is my voice and vice versa so it's just like super zones you into the the conversation i like it's a pretty weird deal yeah i like it and and to you know obviously look at someone in the eyes and tell them a proper story it's it's something that doesn't happen much. No. You know, people get intimidated, just whack the phone out. You're all good. You're kind of lost in that little moment. So it's sick. I reckon get back to... Campfire shit. Campfire shit and yeah. what it's all about. It, it's funny you say that because like, yeah, you pick up your phone and it's like, that's a barrier. It's, it's a like safety. a full it's little a safety. Safe. I've never thought of it like that. Yeah, people just, you know, especially, you know, younger generation, you know, if, if you try to look at them in the eyes, it's very hard to get anything out of them. Dude, and there is people. Whack, like just pull the phone out. No, this is like... Yeah, yeah. that little invisible thing. Yeah. There's people too, we were talking about it the other day, that they struggle to like look in the eye. And there's definitely an awkwardness of, of just people in general now and like people that will shake your hand real soft. Yeah. Like I'm not a guy that's like fucking Try trying to, to be an alpha male hand. kind of deal, but I think... I respect like a good firm handshake. Yeah. I have, I remember people that have like weak as piss handshakes. Just, oh yeah. And you're just like, and I think it's not, they're not weak people. I think it's just that awkwardness some people have now, eh? There's actually, there's actually some places like in Hawaii when I first went, it was a really gnarly place, you know, it was really localized and stuff. And, you know, in Australia, I was, I grew up shaking hands quite firm you know it was quite hard i've got a pretty old school sort of old man he's a bricky so yeah, he's yeah. kind of like a pretty hard dude hands are like a fucking 2001 <laughs> yeah exactly and uh i went to hawaii as a kid and i thought oh you know like obviously it's a pretty sort of gnarly place back then it's yeah. like a wild west so you know they, they were always going in for the handshake and uh and i'd go pretty hard I remember this one dude, I won't say his name, but he's a pretty heavy guy and I was only young and I went in and, and kind of went as hard as I could on his handshake <laughs> <laughs> and he, uh, mate, he wanted to slap me in the face. Really? He's like, well, I thought you were disrespectful. You ever fucking do that again and I'll slap you. Like, really? It, yeah, it was like a disrespectful kind Full of... Full on. Yeah, it was gnarly. 
and uh and so yeah, it was really funny because i thought it was the right thing to do and and obviously different cultures and stuff have different yeah. you know well that's like you go to japan and you, you like they're bowing at you and you've got to you've got to um almost respect that they're showing you respect because like I, I remember when i first went there i was that someone bowed and then i'd bow and then they'd bow and it's like you can't be the last one to bow. They have to be the last one to bow to you. <laughs> yeah. You get like, it, it, it is Five weird. minutes like, of bowing. Just... Dude, I full did that <laughs> at a train station at a bakery once. And, yeah, um, I'm not submitting. I'm, I'm bowing to the death. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, fuck, where do I stop? Yeah. And I thought, I was like, oh, I'm going to be the dick if yeah. I don't return it. Yeah. And I, then I was like, man, this is just getting into a bit of a piss take now. Jesus what? But Christ. then yeah, someone was like, oh, he must be the last about to you. And I was like, oh, fuck. All right. And I kept going deeper and he'd go yeah. deeper. <laughs> He's oh. probably thinking, well, what's, what's his, his dick, dick doing? doing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got a, like, it's funny you say that about Hawaii because I love Hawaii and I love Hawaiians, but that it can be a weird place when it comes to that localism type stuff that goes down there. Oh, for sure. I mean, it is a weird place because, you know, I, I guess the, they got overridden, you know, like the, yeah. the Hawaiians, you know, it's kind of similar thing to what we, we, have, here. we have here, you yeah. know. And so I feel like because um, it is such a small island, there is kind of that still that heritage that they're trying to hang on to. So um, it can be, you know, pretty gnarly spot. And I feel like, you know, they take that whole localism thing to the next level. Some Some do. I mean, it's gotten a lot better now purely because you know obviously you can't do certain things in this day and age and what you could probably 10 years ago but mm. um I, I feel like you know they're probably still trying to hold on to that sort of thing and, and you, when you look at it like that it kind of makes sense um but yeah it's uh it's interesting it was um yeah especially that the, the north shore you know i went there as like a 14 year old for my yeah. first trip by myself and um, got thrown in the deep end and it was an eye-opening experience kind of you know forced me to become a man pretty quick um, you know surfing waves of the Gold Coast and then the old man's like nah you're ready get over there and I was uh, I was lucky enough I had a friend that I met up with over there that was a bit older and stayed with him but man it was a pretty crazy experience as a 14 year old surfing some of the biggest waves in the world and almost drowning and you know, just seeing this whole new sort of culture and um, it's, yeah, it was like, it, it was pretty baffling. What ways were you going after as a 14-year-old in Hawaii? Uh, I mean, I was along that, that whole miracle mile that they yeah. call it now. Um, but I didn't know like, so you've obviously got like, you've got um, pipe and then backdoor, then off the wall and there's it's like, like rocky so it's yeah. like are you staying away from the super heavy stuff as a 14 year old or are you sort of off the edge getting scrapped no, so how does it work well it's just like or are you just paddling out of pipe you have to fuck that yeah like as a kid you know i'm kind of like trying to make it as a pro and i've got older friends there and they're all like yeah, they're not going to let you go surf rockies yeah right you know my old man's like you're you know, going there to set a pipe, man. Yeah, exactly. Don't come home until you got a stand-up barrel. Yeah, pretty much. And so uh, the first person I met over there as a kid um, when I was like, yeah, it was, I think the first week was Jamie O'Brien. And uh, he kind of took me under his wing. He lived right there. Like the, the house that you line up with between pipe and backdoor was his house. 
and uh he was the best guy you know he was a little white kid but just you know ruled the joint and uh so i kind of looked up to him as a kid and we were friends and and uh it just kind of evolved from there and i definitely don't think i would have been so comfortable in big ways if it wasn't from like hanging out with him and, mm. and pushing each other and uh and you know we still do that now and uh yeah i feel like there'd be i wouldn't be a pro surfer or have any sort of career in surfing if it wasn't for, for like you know for him really? especially in those early days yeah it was wild do you remember your first legitimate pipe wave i know he drowned my first the first time i surfed it i uh paddled out and it was it was huge it was like second reef and i was Fuck. 14 and jamie was obviously he lived there his whole life so he's comfortable and he's like yeah we're out there and uh paddled out got a second reefer on the head so in layman's terms there's two reefs there's a first ledge that you see you know mostly it breaks on and then when it gets real big it maxes out and there's a second reef that rolls in from way way outside and uh you know the whitewashes that come in through there are like you know 12 15 foot hawaiian which is you know it's it's tall you know, it's yep. as tall as the, the front of the factory here and uh so i got like two or three of them on the head got wrapped up in a guy's leash and you know pinned to the bottom and basically came in in tears just thinking i was you know pretty much nearly drowned i'm gonna play golf now and then <laughs> jamie's old man's quite similar you know he's uh yeah he's a white guy he came from australia and uh he was a oh, lot oh really yeah yeah i didn't know that yeah yeah he's got aussie in him no so, shit yeah. uh so yeah he's just like yeah, you'll be right you know it's it's all part of it kid and uh there was no hugs or kisses on the beach it was just like get over it and yeah. the next day you're back out there because everyone's probably had the same thing you know what oh, i mean it's, it's not yeah. like you were special no no you know he uh yeah it was just it was just it was what it was you know you're in a man's world and you're a kid so get over it yeah you know don't surf at all it's, go to Rockies, the way, it's you know? probably the way to do it really like i think nowadays there's probably a lot of pandering that goes on that sort of i guess uh doesn't exactly hasting hasten the learning curve like what you had well, to go through mate, we'll is s- like pipe drowning yeah. get back out there there's no like oh let's go surf this little wave let's find your feet again we'll get you back out there mate there's guys getting bashed on the beach i was sleeping like with five or six you know jamie had five or six mates that used to stay over all on the floor mate these days these kids have have it on oh, a yeah. on a platter you know they're in mansions they got filmers they got trainers we had nothing we were just like it was just it was fun you know looking back at raw. it it was raw it was really raw and um you know it makes you you know it makes you a man it makes you step up i guess yeah i want to before i forget because i probably will i got an idea me and flick palmateer kind of started brainstorming some shit because she's heavy mm. she surfs some big stuff yeah but um we were talking about like uh the sort of the big wave world tour and she's like oh one day i could sort of just see it all being together what would you think about um like three ct events and then three big wave events but there was like a top sort of mix from both tours and then that dude wins like a unified world championship so like say you like say it's you ian walsh and um like Twiggy, like yep, let's just yeah, throw yeah. three names out there that yep. are like the top, let's say you got the top three midway through the season of the 
big wave, wave dudes and yep. then the top three of the WS, CT dudes. Yeah. And then you you, amal- you combine a couple of events or you give them both wild cards into each event. And then you have like a, an overall world champ. Because I think that's where it needs to go, man. It'd be interesting to see Toledo out Jaws. That's what we said. <laughs> we're like, hey, Toledo, guys, you right. better be throwing J-Base on. You don't want nothing to do with that top three. Yeah, exactly. He'll, uh, yeah, I mean. But like you look at like, it's not, Kelly would go, Owen sure. would go, John obviously is gone. You know, like I, there's dudes. So it, it's like, should we be calling like the CT dude, the world champ? If there's these other waves that guys are paddling. And then you've got your separate world tour. They got their world tour. It's like, can we make one dude that's you know, like the fucking dude? You know they can do it though, right? Oh, I know yeah. they could do it. No, no, like literally. Oh, the world. T- yeah, yeah. That like they've they're allowed to put their hand up and go. Yeah. I want to go in Nazare, or yeah. I want to go on the Jaws event. They can do that whenever they want. Yeah, they've just got a lot riding on on that CT, on that. Yeah, yeah. You know the money's there. It's yeah. not in the big wave game yet. I mean, it will come, but right now. But I, mean, I think that would be a huge part of bringing the money in. Is oh, like you sure. get, you say you get John Kelly, um, Owen, some dudes that are just ready to throw down. Like I could see that big wave event and the, like just the idea of having a, not that they're not a legit world champion, obviously they are, but like the just the the title of having those kind of events, and then you get both. The, and then I mean you can win. You say you go Chopes Pipe and j bay are like the three that you guys have to enter yep and it's just like a series within a series I and- yeah i mean it's a, it's a good idea for sure um it, it's it's hard purely because those guys are looking at it and they're just saying well we're going for a world title this is where the money's at yeah and this is what we need to do unless the wsl looked at it and said you know there could be something really cool here if we combine these make these guys kind of compete yeah or, or give them more more of an incentive to do that yeah then obviously i think that's going to benefit both sides yeah. especially more so the the big wave thing because it will obviously bring the bigger names to those events and you know there's already a lot of people are always going to watch big waves it's just to obviously get that to get it to that next step and to bring a bit more, a bit more finance behind it and get the sponsors to go shit you know we need to support this more um I think you do need to bring the, those names to it. And, uh, you know, I, I haven't really told a whole lot of people this, but I've been pretty heavily involved in, in starting big wave events. One in particular in Australia. I can't say too much about it just because legal stuff. But yeah. um, I feel like there's room in a lot more specialty events. I feel like, you know, focusing on better locations, heavier locations... And then obviously having a really interesting format and even, you know, having those events more often like a slab tour, for instance, in Australia. Yeah. You know, the Cape Fear event. Um, that was ridiculous the last time they run that. Like, yeah. That was one of the biggest spectacles of surfing I've ever seen. Yeah. So me and, me and Mark had that idea. Where it actually stemmed from me writing a bunch of goals on a pizza box yeah, right. <laughs> about six years ago and uh we're like man we have to we have to start some events at these locations because people were just losing it mm. um you know every time it broke it was on the news and and so that's that whole thing kind of stemmed from from an idea and you know i'd love to 
to see more specialty events and that's what i'm trying to push for at the moment especially within australia we don't have a world tour stop here um you know we've got some amazing waves but unfortunately some of those waves you know the locals don't want events there Mm. and they're really underground and um yeah it's just kind of one of those things that it probably won't happen um you know for that reason but yeah it'd be interesting man to to see uh you know i'd love to see john john do a couple more events you know even if it was jaws or something like that and yeah you know, that that year that walsh uh not walshy um josh kerr yeah decided to do the jaws event you know it just i think it just kind of you know it gets them excited too the, the other you know wsl guys seeing one of their guys competing on the on the big wave yeah seeing it is really cool as well that last jaws event was so ridiculous like was that almost the perfect storm of like having a contest the waves were insane i feel like the infrastructure to cover the event was there was do you think that was the first like real showcase of what the big wave tour could be i think the i think the size on that final day and the conditions and stuff for high performance big wave surfing was as good as it gets yeah you know like there was guys were legitimately getting barreled coming out um you know i had a 10 that Walsh, that wave was Walsh ridiculous while she had a 10 in that same semi yeah and then uh albie had some crazy ones too because he's sitting so much further inside you guys on those shorter boards huh yeah exactly yeah. um and, and so i mean yeah the performance level in that event was amazing you know yeah. but, but the waves were just allowed for it yeah um you know jaws is the best big wave in the world hands down there's no other wave that even comes close to it um so yeah i mean you know even if there was maybe another event there throughout the year mm. like two events Just there a couple and chances to it, get it, like that yeah there's so many different sort of avenues for it it's just unfortunate you know at the moment it's it's hard to come by you know dollars to put mm. these events on it, it's not like you know you, you package these things together you showcase it to a sponsor and they go oh yeah that's a great idea um it's going to be held on this day and you know we're going to organize the live telecast we're going to do all these things we have that we package that and we put it put it down and then they go yeah we'll sign off on it but you need to guarantee it's going to happen and mm. we go well we can't can't guarantee anything mm. they're just like well you want us to put x amount of a million bucks or whatever it is to do an event but you can't guarantee it's going to happen they're just like there's yeah. not many companies that are going to do that, yeah. you know. I can probably name one or two that that will and that are, but there's not a whole lot of others that will mm. that can pull that sort of shit off, you know. So, um, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see the big wave thing grow more for sure. I feel like there's such a big interest in it, but it's just dollars and cents. It's just it's a hard one. I know? think though, like when you really look at it, what you and albie and ian did in that semi is like that's what needs to happen those kind of performances like i watched that heat i think i was actually at red bull um in santa monica when that heat was going down and like everyone was glued to the the webcast and it was just like everyone was having that like fuck off moment like this yeah. is this is really happening and it looked so, like so are we <laughs> yeah. oh, i can't even imagine but it, it, it. it looked like 
a pipe masters final you know what i mean it just had that like air of legitimacy of like this is it this is as good like these dudes are doing what they want to be doing yep. and it's like the the conditions came together the surfing was fucking out of control like did ian got that wave before you or did you get it before ian like because he got a 10 you got a 10 mate uh i got the first 10 yeah okay and then he got i was like yes yeah fucking yeah. 10 bang yeah and because i'm i remember looking at that that draw and going holy sorry yeah i remember looking at that draw just thinking like this could easily be a final oh yeah and um and i'm thinking i'm gonna have to put my fucking a game on to get through this one like i haven't really been intimidated much in in you know i, I don't really care about names and stuff but i looked at that that draw the night before and i started laughing i'm yeah. like are you fucking serious like <laughs> what am I supposed this to is do? pretty stacked yeah. and, and i knew i was an underdog coming into that semi and uh and i kind of thought i was too to be honest you know um but i, I did back myself and and uh and i knew you know i had a good enough chance to to win it and um yeah if, I knew, yeah, the strategy going into that was just, you know, I had actually some really bad wipeouts the day before. I had probably one of the worst wipeouts I've ever had. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. The day before was big, raw and... Because um, the conditions weren't as good that day, was it? They weren't as good, but it was big. Mm. You know, it, was, it was really kind of pretty sketchy conditions, real bumpy and um, kind of had to send it on one just to, to get through the heat. I had like at one score and then I had to send it on this, on this really big one and... Um, end up going through like four canisters i went through all my canisters Shit. in one wipeout so like usually you fall off you pull a canister and and you're good you come up and i pulled my first canister it deflated because of the pressure i got like ragdolled like a car crash pulled the next one came up and there was a 20 footer like top to bottom 20 footer like literally broke like 20 meters in front of me so that's like basically an explosion it was bad yeah it was, yeah, it was, it was... <laughs> that that would yeah. be my phone <laughs> you're right mate you're in demand yeah. we get it <laughs> um so 20 foot explosion yeah it was like what's it, like it, what's going through your head at that point like is anything going through your head do you have time to think you're just going fuck like, i was just like i was kind of like oh fuck that was bad you know like i just the actual wipeout itself was like oh then to get to shit. the surface got to the surface i was like kind of you're pretty rattled you know you get the surface and you're not stressing you're just kind of like in survival you yeah. know you're like you know I, I do a lot of training and shit like a lot of breath training and i know what to do to get to get the breath back and to to stay calm and it's just you know you just that clicks in yeah straight away you're just like okay this is what i gotta do to survive and get through it and then fucking hit and it's just like a it's it, it's pretty messed up like sometimes you kind of like it's so messed up that you actually almost start laughing you're like is this fucking happening like i just got beach ball 20 meters in the air and uh and you kind of like because you kind of are a beach ball when you're fully inflated, fully inflated so it's yeah. like pushing you down and then you've got to come up oh yeah it's gnarly so you actually get air off the surface of the wave do you think like so once once that hits you it's not just pushing you down and then you smooth, oh, no. go smooth to the surface. It's like you actually get flung from it. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're literally a beach ball. Like you feel like you're just getting kicked. <laughs> you're like 20, 20 meters. It's out of control. That's heavy. And then sometimes you will hit and it will suck you back over and like it's tapped. And uh, yeah, I, I knew I got really, 
really fucked up when I pulled the first canister, so it deflated, pulled it another one, and then finally started coming up. I was fully inflated on the surface before the, that 20-footer hit me. The 20-footer hit me, beach ball me, deflated, pulled the third one, and it was starting to bring me up. And then I was just that wigged out. I pulled the fourth, and that and that obviously broke the surface for me. But by that stage, I was, I was on the rocks. rocks yeah. So that's like... I don't know. That's uh, a football field um, of beatings, Just especially on the north it. peak. You know, if you take off on that far north peak, not the inside, and you fall there, that's, I mean, it's every bit of nearly a minute of hold downs and beatings to the rocks. So, so. pretty much everyone's doing the breath training stuff now. Like when, when did that sort of come in, do you reckon? I've been doing that for a long time. Um, what, what was your first, like, how did you get onto that? <laughs> I nearly drowned. I well, I pretty much did drown. I um, because I I haven't grown up with vests, you know. I was, yeah. So you yeah, you're pre vest era, right? Yeah. So like yeah, how how or what's the difference between a vest wipeout a jaws and a no vest wipeout a jaws? You wouldn't surf jaws without a vest. You drown. So you didn't do that back in like no one. Was no surfing. one's no one surfed jaws without. No one legitimately has surfed jaws without a vest. So it's that gnarly that you don't think you could survive a wipeout there without a vest that wipeout i just explained to you i would have 100 percent drowned if i didn't have a vest that's fucked up like like easy because what the vest does it it only it brings you up but it actually you actually get momentum to push you in yeah whereas if you haven't got a vest and you fall off you're like a rock and it just recycles you in the same spot and pushes you deep Whereas when you're inflated, it pushes you deep, but it pushes you f- like yep. towards with the energy. Whereas when you, without them, you just sink, and then, and then you f- you're obviously trying to fight your way to get the surface. But then you're in the in the like the perfect position for the next wave to be like literally on your head, mm. and that's why like you know big wave surfing when I f- you know was getting into it younger was pretty tapped. Like yep. guys were drowning frequently and um and like you go to hawaii and you'd hear like horror stories like you know um i remember hearing one off shane and he's shane dorian when there's a outer reef there and he was like yeah two wave hold down and basically just was he said i I pretty much drowned can't remember coming up and he got really smoked and and that stuff was happening pretty frequently um and you know, even looking back at it now, I uh, I'd see photos and footage of me just surfing in board shorts, and uh, like I don't even think I'd do that now. Yeah, uh, right. Just like with it, the knowledge that you've got of the like the some of the big hold downs you've had with vests on. Oh yeah, exactly. And you know, like just looking at it, just going, "Fuck, what was I thinking?" You know, surfing these waves without a vest, and that's when like you know I've gotten better at breast training now. Um, just purely because I like spearing and spearfishing and stuff yep. like that, um, and I know how far I can push it. But it's um, yeah, you wouldn't even consider surfing the ways we do now without a vest. So where was the near drowning thing that made you start looking into the breath thing? And then what was um, what was like the I guess what info was available then? Because now I th- feel like Wim Hof's made the whole breath thing like super famous, and then you've got like Brian McKenzie doing his stuff. Uh, Laird Hamilton, like a a ton of dudes. Like I feel like there's resources now. 
So I kind of get the impression that when you started doing it, there almost wasn't like resources for the breath training stuff. Uh, a lot of my breath stuff was through a guy called Nam Baldwin. And uh, he had a breath background, um, some free diving stuff. And, you know, he kind of just catered a program more specifically for, for you know, guys that were surfing. And um, kind of was working with him for a long time. And, um, you know, we, we were kind of tweaking things together and, you know, playing around with certain things. And I, um, you know, I've got a, a thing now, breath performance that I've been working on and, and doing stuff myself. Working with another guy called James Fletcher, who he's uh, basically, basically come up with a uh program around a device that will strengthen your diaphragm and your intercostals which will allow for longer breath holds and um, will allow you to go past certain barriers when you start to obviously get huge urges your body will start to kick in if you've got a stronger diaphragm it will allow you to hold your breath or allow you to push your breath longer and stuff like that so um continue, continuing evolving that and doing my own stuff just because you know, obviously, I, I know what it takes to, to get through the, these hold downs. And, and um, yeah, so it's kind of just one of those things. It's not really, I enjoy it, you know. I, I enjoy trying to, you know, push that sort of envelope. And, you know, it's um, it's obviously an important part of surfing big waves. But, I mean, now it's it's obviously a lot safer with the devices, but I still try not to rely on, rely on it because, yeah. you know, I have had them pop and stuff like that before yeah um a friend of mine jimmy um has got me onto the brian mckenzie's program um have you seen his stuff yeah i've done a seminar with him up in brisbane oh righto yeah he's an interesting cat man yeah he is interesting he's um yeah yeah i feel like most uh i don't i don't want to come across too uh yeah they're very good at selling what they're doing yeah um it's not really groundbreaking stuff yeah um i don't think i mean it's just it's like you know if because if if you're in that that realm of stuff you understand yeah you've got more of an understanding than like the commercial level of it exactly they're kind of doing like the layman's sort of terms of it i guess yeah yogis and you know people yoga fire breathing and you know there's so many different types of things that are coming out that aren't that new really um you know if you know how to breathe um if you know how to breathe in your diaphragm you know to get lateral ex- expansion and um all that sort of stuff it's you know the wim hof stuff's obviously you know very different all, again um yeah. but yeah it's all stuff that's been around for a long time yeah yeah um so i guess what are like if you weren't big wave surfing like say for me right i'm not like a big wave surfer or like could barely even call myself a surfer really um but like what are some of the benefits because i know jimmy's like he loves the breathing stuff like he gets up and he does his like 15 minutes in the morning or whatever yeah and he's just like man it's just like a triple shot of coffee so i think like what are the benefits or like could you explain some of the benefits to just the everyday person to like starting their day with like some legitimate breathing exercises so james fletcher the guy i was saying before who's got a program around there's a device called the power breathe device it's basically very similar to like lifting weights to build muscle yeah it's doing the same thing with this breathing device 
which will allow a stronger diaphragm and intercostals, which is obviously so the muscles, the muscles around your ribs, ribs right? that yeah. will, you know, obviously allow a stronger diaphragm, stronger diaphragm, bigger breasts. Once you learn how to breathe properly, it eliminates so many things. You know, high breath is stress. You see a lot of guys with like curled over shoulders and they're not like good posture. Yeah. You know, you can, I can tell but just by looking at someone if they know how to breathe properly. Yeah, and, right. You know, how they carry themselves and stuff like that. Um, you kind of, I can like, like even eliminating back issues and stuff, um, you know, through a lot of years of surfing and stuff, you don't, it's very hard to breathe properly down to your, you know, your, your diaphragm and stuff. It's a lot of high breathing. So I was getting a lot of back issues. So when you say high breathing, are you, you feel like you're sort of just breathing to your chest and not like filling up down here. Yeah. If you fill up down here, it's like an extra 30%. Like I feel like, yeah, when I take deep breaths, I feel like I'm tight across my chest. And it will continue getting tighter too. Yeah. Because yeah, like, and I had the same issue too. I thought, you know, yeah, I'm breathing properly. And, and, you know, obviously working with, you know, James Fletcher and, and understanding how to get the most out of a proper breath with this machine because you can actually see the graph like you yeah, can see right. how much volume you're doing you know every single breath so if, when i first started doing it i was looking at the graph on the on the screen and I like, could it's see, wrong it's, it's it's like, what? he's like yeah you're not breathing properly you know you you you're losing out on 30 percent of your breath by not going down into the proper you know chambers and stuff like that and uh it was super interesting and and just from using that device and the program around it was like night and day. This is kind of blowing my mind because I'm like sitting here going like fucking 30 years I've probably never taken a proper breath. Guaranteed. That's heavy. Like yeah, how, I, how yeah. many people could would go through their life not even knowing that the whole breathing is a thing? Cause well, that, not only that, it's just like I thought that I'd... And I you're knew, an elite athlete. Well, you know? I, I, that's what I was training for so, for so long. And I was just like, oh, my breath must be good. You know, I've got a long breath hold. Can you know, you can do sets of fifty meters underwater with like a pretty high heart rate. Um, but then, because I was looking at this graph and it wasn't consistent, and, and you know, his the program obviously focuses on it's just like a muscle. You know, like you know, what's your high output? You know, what's your volume? All these different things. So once you see that on the screen, you're like, there's something wrong here. I'm missing something. Mm. so I, I just kind of i had obviously a lot of things that were good but the fundamentals were kind of wrong and and so you know his whole thing is focused around um you know people that have had lung cancer and you know people that can't even walk up a flight of stairs because they get gassed um you you've got to be in a weird spot like a like a bad spot health-wise to to be in that kind of position, eh? Like that's Ooh, a long yeah. road to get there. Yeah, but this these pro- this program that we're you know obviously trying to launch is is to help everyone. Mm. It's not just targeted at elite sports people. And there's programs now. I went and saw a guy called Chris Prosser who's really good at you know if I get a yeah you know, like a really serious injury or something like that, he's he's always evolving his stuff. And so what does he do? So he's a he's a uh, a Cairo and physio yep and he's always doing new shit like the last time I saw him um you know it's like baby back to baby movements that incorporates the proper breathing that I'm talking about and because a lot of people's issues stem from 
switching off certain areas like lower chambers and and all that i i'm not amazing at explaining this sort of yeah, science no, behind yeah, it yeah. but basically it's bringing back movements that you first done when you learn how to walk and crawl but back to the right habits of breathing around those movements which switch those right muscles on so if you say lift something or you do something incorrectly obviously that's going to stem certain pinches and impingements in your back and stuff like that so his whole thing is around like i don't know the exact name of it but it's like um really basic uh movements that babies and stuff do and yep. correlating that with the breath to allow it to switch back on yeah it's it's tapped it's pretty crazy yeah it's definitely something that i want to get into and i know um like you've been to p3 right yeah yeah so i was at p3 the other day for the first time doing their ice bath therapy yep and like me i haven't looked into it at all in depth enough or practiced or whatever but i was um so you start with the 18 degree which is pretty cold like yep. you're gonna um for anyone that's on the gold coast listening you should go to p3 even if you're not doing sports stuff or anything like that just to experience the whole ice bath ice hot kind of therapy it's epic because i think that i mean your body feels amazing um as a result of it anyway that they have magnesium in the baths um so i mean there's fringe benefits to it but i think that nothing will make you um think about how important breathing is than standing in an ice bath for four minutes because you're so i was kind of really trying to like breathe as deep as i could um to get myself like I guess like full of oxygen because based on the Wim Hof thing, he yep. basically says like, you it's, know, you want to oxygenate all your cells. And, it's almost hyperventilating. Yeah, yeah. basically. And you get like lightheaded, you feel yeah. kind of dizzy and stuff from it, eh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but well, I definitely was still he's cold. Trying so. to ex he's trying to expel a lot of CO2 and stuff like that. Yeah. Over oxygenate the body and yeah, that's why you feel that lightheadedness. Yeah. Yeah, because anytime like if you've been on an oxygen ventilator, like you get kind of a bit woozy from that because yep. what we breathe isn't a, no. like the, there's not a crazy high percentage of oxygen in the air that we breathe. No, no, it's, it's carbon dioxide as well, you know. It's, yep. Yeah. And that's why when you do a lot of my training is hypoxic training with high heart rate, which is basically, you know, dealing with CO2 buildup, which is that feeling that you're like, oh, that feels shit. I want to breathe now. Yeah. Um, that's the that's exactly what you kind of go through when you have a wipeout. It's kind of like you don't get that to breathe up. To breathe, yeah. You know, and so a lot of my stuff is is training around that feeling. Yeah. Um, which isn't always that obviously that fun, but it's realistic and and it's necessary for what you're putting your body through. For sure. Yeah. But yeah, with the the P three thing, um, so yeah, you got your eighteen degree, then you go into I think it's thirty eight degrees, so you go cold hot. And then basically, um, we're getting Trav in to, he's going to talk about some of the science behind it, which I'm yeah. pretty interested in. But um, then you jump into the 10 degree bath and they're like throwing ice, like ice cubes at you while you're in it kind of thing. Like it's legitimately cold. Yep. And the instinct is to tighten up. Everything gets tight as like this deep, do you, did you first get that when you first did it? You sort of, you stand there and you're tight and... and that just makes it harder to breathe. And the only time it felt bearable for me was when I just put my hands on the edge, fully relaxed my body yep. and started taking these smooth breaths. And that's when I stopped shivering and I kind of got some control over my body. But then every time I went back in, I just went back to that square one of like everything was tight. It felt like I couldn't breathe. And then it's this mental 
challenge to like let your body relax so that you can start taking normal breaths again yeah that's exactly right and i feel like that wim hof stuff is important I, i feel like it's smart how he's kind of based a lot of his stuff around the ice baths because it it actually forces you like you said to focus on your breath yeah um it was interesting because I, I have been doing a lot of the ice baths and heat you know heat as well and you don't necessarily have to do wim hof just because you're going in the ice bath yeah you know i i got just a good as result on doing the same sort of recovery breaths that i do when i train as what um someone that was next to me trying to do the wim hof technique yeah i had I, in all honesty I, th- I actually felt it was more of a benefit so like your slow form of training slowing the breath down and being relaxed um and just nasal um inhalation and exhalation instead of just trying to do the wim hof yeah you know um technique it, it it was you know obviously they both worked yeah i guess it's just but the i guess it just goes to show that the breathing is what's important in terms of exactly. controlling your body yeah, yeah. yeah and mental too i mean uh if you can control your, you know the mental state yeah it doesn't matter yeah well <laughs> we like... took um we took jackson richardson in jats is a two-time supercross champ and he's just a he's an athlete like he's so fit and really strong and um like he's an gnarly dude in what he does and we went through two rounds of it and then they said you know recommend doing three rounds and then we sort of said fuck we'll just do the first two and we'll hop out then I got to that hot one and I was like, nah, we're doing it. Like yeah. we're just getting back in that ice bath. And, um, and I think it was, it just is like, I guess it's just a good mental exercise in terms of just being a fucking bit of a savage. And like, I think that once you, not that having an ice bath is savage, but what your instinct is, is to not do that. And then you do it and then you're like, okay, you got to do it again. And you're like, well, I don't want to do that. Like it's very, very uncomfortable. And I think one, if you can get into a rhythm of doing things that your mind and body is rejecting and pushing back at you for, then it's almost, you know, whether you're an athlete or not, like that is a very useful skill to have is to look something in the face, the water's sitting right there, it's not moving, you could not get in it just as easy as you could get in it, but it's that's that pushback and then you're you're overcoming it. Oh, for sure. I feel like, you know, there's so many things in this world now that... Are made easy you know mm. like and for me i've always tried to push myself to be uncomfortable be comfortable in an uncomfortable situation like you know whether it's breath hold stuff you know recovery ice bar stuff um when i train you know obviously the hypoxic training is is obviously you know all that sort of stuff um is training your body to be relaxed when shit hits a fan yeah and, and if you can do that then you know that that's the goal you know it's not like oh geez i look amazing but i'm not really mentally strong because i haven't pushed myself in certain areas or yeah you know what i mean like there's only certain things that you can do that that you know take you to that place but you know it also takes the right individual as well you know yeah um there's so some much... people some people hate being uncomfortable yeah oh for Fucking sure hate it for like... sure it's such a well, the thing is, is like you don't have to be. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? You've got that choice. You've got, we've got yeah. a choice now. And I think that there, there's so much clarity for me. Like I'll do motocross stuff and like, um, yeah, like I'll go surf. I'll, I'll paddle out on like big days that I, 
I know I can't really, I don't really have the cash in the bank to write that check in terms of surfing the waves, but I'll go out there on big days just to get a beating. Yeah, exactly. And then I, cause I feel like, so for example, last time I was in the States, it, um, have you, you know, like Porto, the beach at Manhattan beach there, like the, you got that jetty El Porto. Yeah. Yeah, I do. So like I that do. gets pretty heavy there. And like, we got a for for la obviously like we're we're talking there's levels to the <laughs> yeah. game but like for me it was probably you know a few foot overhead when you're at the base of the waves and there was no one out and it was like dusk there was i was by myself it was overcast the water was black i was fucking freezing cold and my mate was who's a really good surfer it's just like ah oh, nah like he was a bit crook and we yeah. knew Malibu was going to be really good the next day. Yeah. And I was like, fuck it. I'm going out, man. And he's kind of like <laughs> laughing on the beach and he sat in the back of his truck and watched me. And I just got exploded on for like... Like me jumping on a 450 trying to do a jump or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the same. But, um, but like I, I, I hated it when I was out there and I was scared when I was out there because everything was a closeout and like when you're not a good surfer and it's that big and everything's closing out, I was on a fish, like I wasn't even on the right board, but I just like wanted to put myself in that, like you said, that uncomfortable situation. Yeah. I wasn't exactly comfortable in that uncomfortable situation, but it's like I did it and I felt better from doing for it. Doing it. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. I, you know, I got rolled around and then we went out to Malibu the next day and it was a little bit smaller, but way cleaner. And I just, I had a really good surf because I just felt, the confidence from putting myself through something like I, it's almost like I could look back and be like, well, yesterday was fucking way harder. Everything that happened. You was, probably enjoyed you know, it more though than sitting out Malibu and hanging, it was, hanging ten with about a thousand other people. <laughs> well, we went to like a county line. Right. So it's, it's kind of good there. Cause you can, there's like so many different peaks. It's not like a point that everyone's got to kind of sit on. Yeah. But it was fucking sketchy, dude. There was a dead seal and it oh, just wow. kept floating like right next to me. And I just paddled away from this seal it's like everywhere I went, this dead seal was there. Well, Lisa Shark will attack the seal, hopefully. Instead Who knows, of you, though, you know, <laughs> you're rolling the dice. Up close and personal. But this thing just legitimately would not fuck off, eh? But it, the good thing about it is that me and Nick got to like where whatever peak that seal was on. No you're on the else. other one. No, no one oh, else right, was on it. Yeah. So we sat on the we sat where the seal was pretty much the whole time, and because uh, yeah, everyone else cleared off. And I was sort of like trying to justify it a little bit, running through my head like, ah, the shark will eat that instead of me. But fuck, it's still sketchy when there's just a dead seal and seagulls are landing on it and there's shit moving in the water all around it. I was like, oh, fuck this. <laughs> or, or for a two-foot wave. No, nah, it was like, it was pretty, well, two-foot yeah. for you. But it was decent for me. We had a good day that day. Eight-foot Cali. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what, yeah, you go to Hawaii. Well, you get... um. There's a dude that works for Red Bull Trav and he's a Hawaiian guy. He's yeah. Like a shredder. And then I always downplay it though. Yeah, he'll be like, well, I'm like, oh, how is it at the beach today? He's like, oh, it's two foot, bro. Like, it's okay. Yeah. And I get out there. It's, it's like 12. Yeah, it's like a foot overhead. I'm like, it's yeah. firing, bro. He's like, nah, bro, it's two foot. Get back, getting back to that question that we're on before though, um, about doing stuff that you're uncomfortable with. I, f I feel like that's kind of the biggest draw card with, surfing bigger waves because a lot of times throughout my career i've looked at it and i'm like why do i do this you know yeah. and sometimes you you know having a family and stuff you kind of got to look at that and go you know you've really got to look at what you're doing and kind of weigh the options up of is it worth keep you know is it worth pursuing or you know what's the risk versus rewards and does it make sense well you know and what's funny um sorry to cut you off right. there but 
Je- we had Jeff Weatherall and he's a base jumper. Yeah. And like, I wondered, uh, like, I guess comment on this with what we're talking about with Jeff is like, are you making that call as like your ego involved to where you just want to be the dude surfing the biggest waves or like, are you doing it for, for that kind of true right reason? When I was younger, it was hundred percent ego. Yeah. Right. For sure. It was. And I, and I, it got to a point where I didn't want to surf big waves anymore. I was kind of done. And I literally had to reevaluate the whole thing on why I'd done it. And it, it's been a long process, you know, like um, I feel like a lot of, you know some people just that's all they want to do you know and surfing big waves to them isn't that scary and and stuff like that but for me you know big waves scare me you know they've always scared me but i feel like that's kind of helped me stay in the game for a long time and you know not drown not die you know not get too injured having a career ending um injury and stuff like that but yeah it's it's hard because when you're young I feel like it is a bit of an ego driving thing. You know, you want to out, you know, you want to outdo your friend. You want the you want, you want the big, mag and you want the biggest wave. Yeah. And like to the point, you know, I was probably that bad to the point where, you know, it was personal. Like I made it personal. Like I got pissed if I wasn't on the biggest wave, you know, or um you know, I was willing to take it to any lengths. Really. I, I didn't even really give a shit if I died, to yeah. be honest when i was younger i was like who gives a shit like it's (laughs) it wasn't a good place to be and it was pretty dark um and do you think like like i wonder dudes that like i got a lot of friends that do crazy shit and i know them personally and i know there's some demons there and there's some stuff that they're they've got going on and i i wonder sometimes is like are you doing this to run from the demons Mm. and is that giving you is that feeling the hole that you've got or is it masking the real shit yeah putting a band-aid on it and then that's why when you kind of get in that attitude of like well fuck it i'll die for this is because you kind of are running from the things that you haven't really figured out in your life yet for sure 100 percent. and i'm the first one to admit that you know i went through a stage where like personally I, i it was hard you know i was like it it wears you down like you get to a point you're like fuck i've had enough and i can't and do keep you mean doing like this. the do you mean this the actual physical act of the surfing or like the industry and sponsors and competitions Everything. and just the whole package the whole thing yeah you just yeah it's just like you're not doing it for the right reasons like you you, you are but you're not you kind of like you you can only feed off that sort of energy for so long until you burn yourself out yeah you know what i mean and then you've got to kind of look at it and go, why am I doing this? You know, is it worth risking and going this hard? Or, you know, there's so many different things that that you mentally have to go through and, you know, reevaluating yourself outside surfing, you know. And, and, you know, I think having a family for me was the big turning point. Um, you know, once you see your daughter... And you realize you've got so much more to lose and, you know, sponsorship isn't everything. There's so many bigger things out there, Mm. you know, like giving back and helping people is, you know, for me at this point in my career is is such an amazing feeling. Um, And when you're younger, you're so caught up in your own shit, you don't really see that stuff, you know. You're like, fucking sponsorship, 
uh, best video clip, biggest wave, like you're loving people giving you these props, but it's not, you know, I feel like I never really enjoyed it. I didn't get a chance to actually take it all in because mm. you're in such a, like a, a frenzy, frenzy yeah. that you're like, you know what I mean? Like you're not even really there. You're not present in the moment going, oh, how good's this? Mm. And I feel like in the last four years, five years even, like I've been out to kind of like slow down and kind of, you know. Um, like smell the roses a bit. Yeah, yeah. And, and I feel like I'm actually enjoying those moments, you know. I won't be, you know, if I see a swell that's like maxing out at ship turns and I know it's like borderline rideable, I won't even go. Like, I don't give a shit if someone's like, where were you? It was the biggest day. And, you know, like, I already know that it's going to be borderline too big. Mm. And it's like, it's not worth it. So it's, know, like, so it's like you're steering the ship now as opposed to that ego side of things. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, you don't, it is what it is. You know, you, you're in charge of your own destiny, not, you know, this, yeah, coming from this other place that is not a good position to be in. Yeah, and I think and people that, people pick up on that too, you know. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah for sure. Like, yeah, people can see it, you know. Like, yeah, the, it's yeah, it's dark. It's not it's not a fun place to be in. And I, I think that, I mean, people get there whether it's with athlete, like as an athlete, or like it's. I think there's, I don't know. It's like it's like you sort of have to go through that thing in your late twenties. Some people never get out of it, and then they'll be you know career fuck ups in terms of you know they might yeah because yeah. it's like you can people turn to alcohol drugs yeah. like i mean it's just endless you know really because i think that the um the whole like everyone's got demons everyone's got baggage everyone's got a thing that they've got to deal with because the past is a bit of a motherfucker in that mm. way and there's things that happen that are like out of your control that are shitty things and you know what i mean like you look at a guy like barney miller like yeah, his exactly. podcast just coming out today and it's like dude had every reason to just say fuck this yeah you know that's a shit hand to get dealt and you know then that's the thing that you carry into the future like the the baggage of your past is that thing that kind of carries and i I think that you know for your side of things it's like you you're always in this competitive um realm where you're like constantly measuring yourself against other people and then you get into this like battle of self-worth almost eh? where yeah, it's like exactly. your self-worth is tied to that biggest wave or that best clip or and it's like there's a your identity is almost held hostage by how good you can surf exactly and then you only really know yourself when you look when it's been stripped back you know and and you're like okay now i've got to hustle now i've got to make something happen and you know you aren't getting free handouts and, and it's kind of like that's when the real you comes out you know, that's when your character comes out. That's when you, you're not taking stuff for granted and you're kind of like making shit happen and you're doing things. For the, you have to do things for the right reasons because it just doesn't work otherwise, you know. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm stoked with where things are at for me at the moment. Yeah, like obviously, you know, I've, I've, I just lost Monster, which was pretty heavy. Um, like that was probably like eight years with that brand and, and they were like, the hand that fed me and uh but you know every loss there's always something to gain from that you know and and i'm looking at so many different other opportunities now that have opened up and and i'm excited you know and and i'm you know obviously i'll always surf you know ways and you know obviously big ways is what 
you know I, I really enjoy when i feel like it and uh you know jaws last year was just so sick mm. you know, like i was frothing to do that and um you know so just those that sort of those sort of moments are, are special you know yeah and i think that like when you get in a place where you kind of can enjoy them and it's not like you know the only you're not living for that moment i guess like you've got yeah, other exactly. stuff to live for because i've found i got into a place where i was doing a lot of like really cool shit and i was like i remember just being like just couldn't wait to leave a shoot with like a dude that i looked up to my whole life yeah right you know what i mean so yeah. i'm like but not because like so like ricky carmichael like yes. guy's like he's one of my best friends of like i talk to him all the time i love that dude like he was my idol growing up yeah like it is such a weird place where like i'm at his house filming a commercial yeah and it's like the coolest shit ever and i'm like looking at the clock and i'm like because like, you had something else that no was... like i just think you know you get into that complacent and kind of yeah and you're not like you said you're not smelling the roses you're just yeah. caught up in all this other shit in your head and it's like you, if you really strip back and you're like at you're like hey man at the core of this you got into this because you watched this guy your whole life yeah i think everyone you know, goes yeah. through it, you know like yeah like I, i'm sure you yeah. could have been sitting at pipe and it's like one of the most fucking epic days ever it's like perfect waves and you're just like pissed because something peripheral happened and it like fully takes you out of the moment when if you're like if you could look at yourself through like a video game lens, you'd be like, slap this guy. Firing, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, look at how, look at what you've got to be stoked for. Oh, for and sure. even down to like, you could strip it back to like, well, I'd give anything to get a wave a pot, like one wave, just feel that thing. You know what I mean? So it's like, you can, you can, um, I guess it's like, if you put all your, you know, the problems in your life and then you looked at it with compared to everybody else, you'd probably go, Ah, oh, fuck like no i've got it, I've got it pretty good, good. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll take a step back but yeah. yeah i think like you said everyone gets into those times oh, where that sure. momentum you just get so caught up where like if you really looked at it you're like fuck it's pretty sick yeah yeah exactly i've more so yeah like if you like i said before you know like if you look at what you have and you scale everything back and you're just like we've got it pretty good pretty solid yeah it's yeah like, it's, it's hard we're not to... we're not living in a third world country we've got heaps of opportunities and you know um especially in australia i mean you know you can get paid to not even freaking work yeah basically <laughs> it's you know that security is pretty gnarly I'd, i mean i'd never go there but um we are we are lucky for sure yeah let going back to like that first kind of deal at pipe do you remember like how scared you were like even did you have fear of like when you went to bed and you could hear the waves and knowing you'd have to get up like and kind of go because you're in a heavy crew like jb's out there and he's not scared i think it was just like when you're so when you throw yourself in so deep and you're so excited and you've kind of visualized yourself doing it for so long as a kid and it's a dream and you're actually playing it out it's almost more excitement than fear, you know? I feel like later in your career, you get more scared because you actually know what you're you've in for. You've felt the consequences. You, you've fallen on that reef. You've hit the bottom. You've had injuries. Like You're like, this is a real deal, you know? This place is no joke. Um, and then there's a, a bit of pressure on you to perform. And 
that's when more fear i think creeps in but those initial first you know yeah obviously i shit myself but it was like excitement and shitting myself too you know it wasn't just like like anticipation more than fear yeah like oh my god i can't believe i'm actually here and doing this you know um but yeah it was it was just fun you know it was um it was just like a first time sort of moment where everything was it was happening it's just yeah it was good. Do you remember the first legit wave that you kind of finished at pipe and got spat out? I remember the first proper wave that I got at pipe and I I couldn't have blown it any harder if I tried. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. And the thing, like literally, the thing just came straight to me. It was like a proper roll and I was right behind it. It's like, here, man. Yeah. And I just come off the bottom. I remember the guy that I was there with um, from home, which was he was a bit older, he's seen the whole wave. And I remember looking when I, when I stood up and went to grab morale and I've never gone so, got pushed so fast down a wave. And I remember looking at him for some reason, I just locked eyes with him and he was in the <laughs> channel and I just froze like a deer in headlights. Yeah. And I just, I couldn't pull up to get in it and I just went straight. And when I went straight, I thought, yeah, I've outran it. I'm good. The way broken it's good the thing literally landed on the back of my board and just threw me and cartwheeled me and i remember just doing like five cartwheels sucked over the falls hit the bottom but i was fine like i didn't get injured and i paddled back out and my mate was just like hands on the head you know, what the fuck are you doing you just <laughs> blew the best wave of the morning i was just oh. and i remember looking and just going yeah i did like i literally just like all I did is pull up and I would have just got the most amazing barrel, but I was so freaked out and it was just too much and yeah. just panicked and just the overload. Yeah. And I just got creased and that was, that was my first wave at pipe legit wave. And uh, yeah, obviously I, I do remember the first couple of ways I got out there and I just, it was just always so big, you know, yeah. every, everything was just, there's so much room. I just remember that, you know, but yeah, pretty amazing, amazing place. So what was your, you obviously grew up with like intentions of being on the, like the actual CT. Yeah. When did that focus sort of shift to going in the big wave sort of surfing? When I wasn't getting the results, I was pretty shit in smaller waves. And and a lot of the competitions were in small waves. Yeah. Um, I had Quicksilver at the time and that was when the crossing just started and they sort of gave me the opportunity to chase the free surfing route and got invited on some really cool trips and you know obviously they they had a house over there at the time and we just kind of they they just could see that i was better at at, you know the big wave stuff the big wave stuff and free surfing and and then it just kind of evolved from there and the waves got bigger and came home and realized that we've got some of the craziest waves in the world in my backyard in australia and and that's when you know i i had i think i was around 18 19 when i first went down to ship Cerns and it was really publicized place you know like um one of the heaviest craziest waves on the planet and i was like well you know i'm spending a lot of time in hawaii i may as well give it a crack and i remember the first time i went down there and it was just like still to this day one of the best best what like the best days i've ever seen there mm. and um end up surfing with like two other guys out i was there with kobe abenham when you know when he was in his prime surfing those sort of waves a lot mm. and uh 
it was crazy. I ended up getting one of the best ways of my life and first surf out there was um, got second in uh, the ride of the year. Oh, And really? that kind of, yeah, that kind of started the, the whole big wave surfing career. And then that, that was almost, I guess, like a bit of a light bulb moment. I was like, okay, yeah, this can be my thing now. Yeah, I don't think I had a choice then. It was like, yeah, you know, I was shit in small waves. I couldn't qualify. So if I wanted to surf for a living, you know, that was my that was my calling you know that was where i had to go and i was willing to do anything it took to uh to surf for a living just keep the dream alive keep the dream alive how <laughs> heavy of a dude is kobe um yeah yeah he's yeah pretty he's, full on. he was pretty full on yeah he's uh yeah he, he was always really nice to me and stuff like that but i'm you know i'm sure he could throw his weight around when he wanted to and stuff but yeah I, I think i think the whole image of that a bit blown, blown out. out yeah yeah i think um he's probably like an example of what i was talking about of a guy that's just running from demons and it's like if the wheels fall off while he's doing it then so be it yeah but that's yeah. obviously from a super outside perspective you know what i mean yeah exactly um because he just seems like he's not scared of anything no nah, not back like back then yeah he was he was pretty a pretty gnarly dude like especially in those sort of waves you know like he was considered like the craziest guy in the in those slab waves and like he had the send button you just press it whenever he wanted. Yeah, well, yeah, that's like that whole crew, like Mark Matthews and Kobe and and that whole Sydney crew around the Cape Slander wave. Yeah, um, that's where you know surfing in, in big waves and in Australia we were considered you know like slab guys. So slab waves are obviously waves that break on pretty much nothing, nothing, and. Uh, is really unique because nowhere else in the world has waves like that. And um, so, is Australia that unique for slabs? Like that you don't oh, yeah, really find them that where. And what do you, what do you think that is? Just the way our coastline is with like that that super deep water to then exactly. just like those that almost like continental shelf, right? Yeah, exactly. Like a lot of our waves go from you know forty fifty meters deep to like a 12, 15 foot shelf, and, and you know obviously ship turns it's you know you got the atlantic uh, big storms coming in from you know way up the top that scoop down and it, they get some of the biggest swells in the world and and then all that you know all that energy energy is focusing straight on this small shelf and the same as you know down south um western australia the place called the riot yeah you know that's what uh, you know big wave surfing was when i grew up is like we're surfing these waves that were never really surfed they haven't they've only been surfed you know when i first surfed them for probably you know eight ten years before that or not even you know and so it was really fresh like people just didn't think it was achievable to surf these spots and you know i had friends that found that place called the right and it was it's the biggest craziest scariest wave in the world and yeah um, so that's the one that you rate as that's the king kong of slabs yeah yeah for sure i mean it doesn't get any bigger crazier than that wave and and so yeah there was a lot of stuff that we learned along the way way you know we didn't have the inflatable vest yeah. surfing that sort of spot and you know that's where i had that near drowning and uh we're, so we're just using deep, wakeboard vest to yeah, try to right. come up and how then, deep is the right there for you to almost drown like it's deep obviously deep enough to where you'd you'd want a vest not oh, like for sure because yeah hey, what's the depth like compared to jaws because is jaws deeper like it breaks in deeper water um yeah so before our, before <laughs> our interruption we we're talking about the the right and the way that it 
breaks like the water versus jaws so you're saying jaws is oh, like yeah. kind of gradual yeah so the the shelf at jaws is is gradual whereas the riot's obviously like it's 40 50 meters deep comes in hits this crazy shallow shelf which allows the wave just to go square you know and um the thing with it though is that because it goes deep straight after the shelf um what i figured out <laughs> was that when you fall if you get washed over the back ledge of it it, oh. it starts to spin you get these crazy like turbine things underwater you know like yeah wild and so i fell off on a wave and was literally pinned on the shelf and i pushed up and started running off it because i was like flat and i didn't want to stay on the shelf so i started running and i literally ran off the back of the ledge it was like felt like base jumping or something i jumped and it was the worst thing i could have done because when i got off the so shelf you jumped off the back i got dragged off it like put the pressure was pushing down on me and i was i got to my feet i, I didn't i felt like i didn't want to stay on the shelf for some reason in case there was another one behind it that hit directly and where i was smushed onto it pretty much yeah exactly it just would have been a bad spot to be in so i just ran off the back of the ledge i didn't really know where i was i just knew that i was on a dry shelf so i just ran and it pushed me off the back and i felt like i literally just jumped off a cliff and then i just started getting sucked down into these fucking crazy like turbine jet things underwater that were just pushing me further down further down to the point where i knew i was deep because i had to equalize like three times you know so what's that like 30 feet or it was or no, meters? no no yeah that's yeah. like 30 so it's meters. like 10 meters right per yeah roughly yeah roughly yeah and so i knew i was deep because i i can i've got a max dive depth when i go spearing of like i can do 25 all day but if i go 30 like i'm pretty i can get pretty gassed you know yeah like, and i can't stay down there for that long which is pretty long um you know pretty deep and uh and so i knew i was deep when you know I, I had to equalize that many times and i was already kind of pushed on the bottom of the shelf and that's you know and then we just had these you know jet pilot inflatable things that we used to wear that foam you know they weren't like proper air yeah tags, just like, like a wakeboard vest exactly and uh so they didn't really do all that much you know and so yeah it was gnarly i got i had to kind of fight my way to get up to the surface or get further towards the surface and get instead of getting spun down because i was under for two waves and then i just kept grabbing these like these things to try to push myself up so to were go you in the right like direction. close to the ledge i got pushed off the back of the ledge so i had no idea where i was I'm just, oh, so, but, so what were you grabbing so obviously underwater when you fall off I keep saying, obviously, like you should know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, last time uh, yeah. I said it, right, I just fucking nailed every wave. So. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so when you fall off, you try to kind of like direct yourself like you were swimming or doing breaststroke. You, if you use your hands, you go in the right direction. Yeah. So you can kind of do that underwater when you fall off. You know, you, there's a lot of oh, water so you're moving. Like, you're so knowing you're trying where to, north is, so you're trying to just... Yeah, I, I kind of knew where the north, surface... Yeah. I know where the surface is in that direction because I've got my vest trying to bring me up a bit. I'm trying to go with it and trying yeah. to fight to get to the surface. Yeah. And because I was so deep, I had to do that because it kept... Like, I'd gain sort of momentum coming up. And then if I got it wrong, 
and or if another surge came over on top of me, it'd just pull me back down. And yeah. I've done that like two, three times. And I literally, at, on the third one, I just stopped swimming. I'm like, I'm done. I'm going to black out. And then finally I felt like everything started settling down. I knew that there was a break yeah. in, the, in, in, the, in the waves or, you know, because I'd already copped. I fell on probably the second set, second wave of the set and I knew there was probably like four waves in the set. I got another one on the head, which was obviously pulling me back down a lot underwater. And then when it started calming off, I knew that I could, you know, by the third time of getting dragged back down that I could... Yeah, you figured that I, the I figured set was over. That was it, you know, this is my moment to get up. But at that stage, I was already gassed, you know, I was like, shit's getting In pretty bad. Zone, yeah. So I started swimming up, I got started getting good momentum probably done like 15 strokes like slow long strokes which is a lot and then the body started convulsing bad really yeah like really bad to the point where i was like when your body goes through that so what exactly is happening there that's your body like that's not you that's not you freaking it's not dying it's just running out of air it's running out of oxygen so it's like um that's where your diaphragm will kick in because if you've got a strong diaphragm, what will happen to your body? It'll like make you breathe, right? It'll make you breathe. Like yep. you, like I was getting to the point where my my mouth, I had shut, but I was sucking water in without like mindfully Doing trying it. to do it. Fuck that. And so like at one point, I was literally like holding my mouth because I was starting to suck a fair bit of water in and then the convulse the convulsions i had at the start were i over i probably overrode like one and then the second one i started taking the water i knew by the third like by the three because i'd train like i'd get like one urge in convulsion and then like maybe two by the third like i never really pushed it past two you know like two was like oh you know that that's pushing it a bit so i knew after the second one and the water was starting to thin so I kind of got it like a bit of a mental sort of like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I must be getting close. And that's when I knew I was deep because I, I felt the change of the water pressure. Yeah, like the actual pressure of yeah. the water on your Yeah, body. on my yeah. face. Like yeah. I could feel it. And yeah. like it, things were getting more airy. Like, and it's like, okay, I must be getting pretty close. But that could still be 10 meters. That could be still 10 yeah. meters. So I was like, don't get too excited. Like, and then by this stage, because I thought I was going to drown, like, I don't know, 15 strokes ago, I was like, I'm still here. I'm still like conscious. But then like the th- when the third one kicked, I don't remember breaking the surface. Yeah. And I just came up right next to my mate on the ski. It was just like, I couldn't even jump on the ski because I was like... You're gone pretty gone, much. Gone, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I've got photos of it actually, this guy. This photographer was right there on a ski and I literally, where I fell off was where I came up. So I'd done a whole circle of the whole reef. Really? Bizarre. Like almost to like where you let go of the rope at the start of the reef. So I went around the whole thing, came up and I was just like, yeah. We did, were you pretty conscious when you came? Like you didn't lose consciousness or? Uh, it's, it was like, I don't really remember the last bit of it. And I was starting to swim sideways. So I knew I was, getting I was on weird. the urge yeah. of blacking out. Yeah. And then when I broke the surface, I just remember like, like kind of, I knew I was at the surface, but I wasn't coherent. Like I yeah. couldn't, I couldn't do much. And yeah, then, you're just that, that done. And it took me like, a, you know, I don't know, four or five breaths to like, yeah, okay, I'm good. I can like move. 
Is it almost like, um, have you ever been pro- properly put to sleep in jiu-jitsu? Yeah. Is it almost... Oh, not in class, but I've, like, my mates. Just, like, mates and shit. Just, like, yeah. Is it almost like that where you sort of, like... Uh, you, even you're about to tap and then you just go like you just sort of you just drip but you think you're there but you're sort of not there I think it's obviously like, it's a yeah, way more extreme yeah, version it's, but it's like that last little bit where you actually think yeah you think you're all good and you can like yeah it, I've like had like reach to like tap somebody's leg and you're just like like in the middle of it and you, you just think you're there the whole time yeah I it's uh it's probably a bit it's not as abrupt like it's not like oh, come i'm here quick, yeah. and you're gone you know yeah. like you know that you're about to go you, you know, like things start happening the body's like giving you so many warning signals like <laughs> breathe what, bro. Are you what are you doing <laughs> like yeah there's bells and whistles going off everywhere but um so if it was yeah. like a car dash it'd just be lit up oh yeah the thing's just going <laughs> ham it's like fuck what's going check, on check oil uh, check oil <laughs> tire pressures are gone yeah everything's Fuel going lights on, on. yeah the steering starts shaking (laughs) (laughs) oh fuck i just can't like when you were telling that story like i've had one sketchy moment surfing where like it was just really big and it was dark i couldn't get a wave in i got exploded and then i got held down for two waves down in san diego at blacks yeah yeah and i was on the bottom there and (laughs) i can't like for what i would have been feeling and like the situation i was in compared to that yeah how like i come up so rattled from that situation like to go through what you went through like i'm in my mind when you're telling that story i'm like going back to that day at blacks and i'm yeah. just like whoa yeah it was um like even for me i was like yeah it was it kind of rattled me for a while but um it's all part of it and that was that was probably the worst one that i've had for sure so was that uh, then like a bit of a turning point for you to like get super deep into the whole breath training side of it oh for sure yeah so it's almost like, like a blessing in disguise really for sure yeah you know like you gotta learn from your you know your ex, you know your experiences and i learned from that one and i just wanted to be a weapon at holding my breath yeah and um and so obviously that was a huge part of the training and stuff that i that i do and but like in all honesty man you um you get better the more wipeouts you have you know the more crashes you have the better you get at them yeah but you just don't want to have them too much um especially you know when they're that bad especially too like you're gonna have in any sport in any discipline of i guess doing something with any risk it's not if it's when so i guess you can't be naive to the risk and go like oh fuck i just won't crash because like that's not your choice Oh, you have to crash. Yeah. And the crazy part about, I feel the crazy part about extreme sports as a whole is that when does it end? You know, like I feel like the levels get pushed so much to the point where like, I don't know where you go from there, you know, like, and, and, but they do. It keeps feeling that in surfing now. Um, yeah, I feel like that yeah. was a thing until you guys started paddling and then it's almost like there was a barrier and then you did start paddling jaws and doing the paddle stuff and yeah. now it's like a whole new thing again to where it like resets well, to where you're like, well, how far can this go? Well, yeah, exactly. And even for me, you know, like I definitely feel like I'm not the young guy anymore. Like I'm, I'm in that sort of older realm and there's young guys coming through that I look at and I'm like, whoa. Like who this, are some of those young kids on the road are you uh there's a brazilian kid who just won the nazare contest um 
he's he's gnarly. He's probably like he's the sort of guy that I look at, and he's just like like he's not scared to die. Yeah, one bit. He's doing stuff that he's kind of back where you guys were. Yeah, yeah, but, Isn't but even like like more more like. Isn't it crazy that it's like you kind of, maybe this is what it is, is to where it's like you get that wave, right? And then the level's at here. And then you get a group of guys that that go through that ego transition into that self-awareness transition, and then it slows down for them. And then when the bar's been here, then you get those kids that come up and they're driven by ego. And then it's like that ego, not scared to die, can take it to here. Yeah. And then they hit that self-awareness button. For sure. And then they're like, fuck, I don't know how much further I can go. And then that next generation of kids comes along. And then it's like, it's sort of, you've got to be in that not scared ego phase to kind of push the limit. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like extreme sports, that realm that we're talking about, that young push like reckless realm is like that's the realm that will stay relative to push the sport and that older sort of like wise guy i feel like might get a bit pushed more pushed out yeah in in i'm talking like the future of extreme sports i feel like the time frame of you in that extreme sport and pushing that sport will be limited a lot more yeah and it won't be such a long period um because of how hard these guys are coming in and pushing the sport at at each different level you know especially when this once the bar's already here you know to go to keep pushing it it's you know you have to be in that state to do that well that's what i look at um me and maddie mcferrin have had this conversation about freestyle so there was a point well i think i don't know if surfing is going to have this but I think with motocross, right, or the freestyle side of things, is that when the generation of kids that's killing it now, like the Harry Binks, the Josh Sheehan's, what was the bar to them was like a backflip. Yeah. And a backflip heel clicker. And that's like pretty attainable. Like I could do a backflip on a bike yes. in terms of physical skill. Like I, I've never done it, but I, I bet that if I had a drive to do it, and I pushed and I had a foam pit and all the bullshit, I could go and do a backflip. I don't fucking ever want to. Yes. But physically, it's could, not it's that crazy. Table. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, and then you had those kids like Harry. And, and I mean, you can even do a backflip without all that bullshit, without yeah. the safety nets. People do it. But then now the kids that are watching the Harry Binks and stuff like that, like to get into freestyle now, like the level is like a stock standard deal is a double backflip like you're not landing a double like even a guy that has a skill like that's such a huge mental barrier and a physical barrier like you've got to have the right ramps you've got to like that's just to get to like the level starting yeah the starting point of like freestyle now so i think that i don't think surfing has that because the waves are kind of always going to be the waves and i think that it's you don't need the equipment and it's i don't know like i think it's a bit of a different deal but you look at yeah I, I feel like yes and no though because there, there's yeah the waves get this big and you surf it right yeah but now like guys are in, for Mavericks example the young Brazilian no one even looked at the left yeah right right so he comes in and he all of a sudden just starts hucking lefts and, and literally back which is right into the rocks right yeah it, it well, if you fall, you're in the worst spot ever because it, it'll literally drag you in the rocks, but it'll also recycle you 
and you won't you're just basically stuck in this vortex right on the peak it's yeah it'd be really bad to kind of fall on a big one especially on the left but you know he's hucking left he's going right he's trying you know cutbacks and like you know so it's kind of like you're sitting back just going fuck what's you know yeah this is wild and um that's even for wild men to say this is wild yeah but then like so where's the next generation like the younger guys they're gonna have to look at that and go if we're not doing that then we're gonna feel irrelevant yeah especially because they're in that like probably ego stage yeah they're like we're gonna have to do that you know if we don't then we're you know what are we trying to achieve you can't even get a start you want to be the best you know you don't want to just be like hanging on going oh yeah i'm just just you know just able to be out here yeah yeah so like yeah it's um i I feel like they're all pretty relevant you know Mm. fmx freestyle all that sort of stuff you know there's a baseline yeah an un you know unwritten baseline that you need to kind of achieve And I, I just think and yeah, that, just, that baseline is just going to get way harder to even to get achieve. a start. Yeah. And yeah. like, because a big problem that you guys are having now is like fucking Yahoo's just going out to Mavericks with no safety crew, no real experience. And it's kind of creating a bit of chaos in, and I'd bet probably because of the life, the suits, you know, sure. the vests that you guys have now, like an average kind of guy, not an average, I mean, you're still a pretty bit of a gnarly dude to even go out there but you might not have the skills uh that are the same size as your nuts in a way oh for sure i mean big wave surfing has just gotten so popular because i'm sure that it's got something to do with the vest you know it's Mm. just like a safety net that you never used to have you know like if every if everyone went out without safety vests on it'd just be a completely different game um I feel like, yeah, obviously it's been a great thing, but it's also been a bit of a curse too. You know, the lineups in these spots are super crowded. You know, there's guys that that are out there that probably shouldn't be out there that, you know, want to go down to the local bar and show their mates a photo of them. Yeah. (laughs) You know, getting hucked on a 20-footer or something. But, um, I mean, it's just like, it is what it is. You can't really... Yeah. You just... I guess you concentrate be, on yourself. Yeah, you're going to be getting angry at a thing you can't change. I guess. Yeah, exactly. But I guess it it does show that people are wanting to, I guess, get amongst a sport that was just man. There's a handful of people on the planet when the, when it started yeah. that would even think about doing it. Yeah, exactly. I feel like too a hard. I feel like a hard thing would be is to. You know, once you're at a level and you're pushing yourself and and you're achieving that level of, you know, uh, surfing bigger waves or competing or whatever, I feel like it's very hard to, when you get older, to want to keep doing it at not such a high level. Yeah. Like, like I know it sounds out. weird, but like just to go out and just kind of catch a few waves or something mm. like it. For me, I feel like, when i'm out there you've got to be in that kind of state where like yeah like you know fucking let's do this like it's on i feel like if you weren't in that state you're like oh yeah i don't really care you know i just might catch a wave you know like yeah yeah i don't know i've been thinking of of that you know like um am i going to want to be still surfing big waves if i'm not hungry for it yeah yeah and i feel like yeah that, that that for me is like 
something that I look at and just go, I, I don't have the answer. I'm just yeah, kind of yeah, like, yeah, no, no. I'm just, yeah, kind of getting deep at like, wonder what that feeling is like. But I look so at, like, I look what, at guys like Dorian and he's like, I feel like he was doing his best surfing like two years ago. Mm. And he was, you know, he was 41 or something. Yeah. Um, which is pretty wild. You know, you look at that and you kind of inspire to know that you can kind of keep pushing those boundaries. Um, because big wave surfing is all about calculated risk, getting the right waves, not having too big an ego where you're going to go a shit wave and blow your shoulder out or get yeah. a career-ending injury or something like that, you know? So, yeah. Well, I guess it comes down to like, we sort of got there before in a way and then veered off a bit, yeah. but it's like the reason you do it. And it's like, do you know the reason you do it now? Is it, yeah. is it more than a job? Like, is there a soul-fulfilling thing that comes out of it? Because I think that if you... To go with kind of what you were saying is like... To keep... Wanting to keep do it, it has to serve a legitimate purpose, purpose. in your life. Yep. So it's like, if the purpose is a job and to make money and, you know what I mean, to have like a career. Like, there's a... I think that's one of the problems that people have just in general is like, when you're not working on something that's your passion then it becomes super confusing because there's a million ways to make money there's yeah. a million jobs there's a million university degrees there's a million tafe courses there's a million random things you could do to make money so yes. it's like i think that's why people get lost when it does come to like oh i don't like my job what am i doing blah 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 blah. it's because like there's options when that's the thing but it's like when it's your passion it becomes easier because you don't have a lot of passions so yeah, it's like, you I, know I, what I mean? What is that? Why do you do this? I feel like too, for me, there's no way I could have got to where I've got with not loving it and, and it being a passion. Mm. I feel like the hardest thing is to understand why you do it on a deeper level too. Yeah. You know, what do you actually get from it? And so for me, I look at it and I always feel like a better person when I come in. Like if I go out for a surf, it's humbling. You know, you learn something about yourself. You challenge yourself. Um, you get humbled. Like there's so many different elements that go with surfing big waves that make make you a better person. Yeah. That I like about it. You know, you learn a lot about yourself. Um, you know, so yeah, you know, probably at some points of my career, I was doing it uh, solely because you know, not solely, but I was doing it because it. there was, you know, an income was a job. Um, you know, I liked it. Um, I was good. At, uh, I felt like I was quite good at it, which is a good feeling. Yeah. But it, you've got to search sometimes of why you do it, and especially, when, you know, at points in your career when you get tested, where, you know, either sponsorships leave you or you've got to grind it out for a bit or, you know, just you, you have a bad wipeout and it, really fucking rattles you um so i feel like at some point of your career you've got to look at it at it on a deeper level and understand why you do it and and you do have to put your ego inside and go well okay you know where would i be without it yeah true and so there has for sure been moments where i've had to do a fair bit of soul searching and go why do i do this what do i get from it you know how's it affected me to this date and you know realistically you 
I am who I am because of it. You yeah. know, like I feel like, you know, without doing that, I, I wouldn't be who I am, you know? Yeah. And then I think though, do you have to get to the point where it's like, I wouldn't be who I am without this, but I'm not just this. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like not. Cause that's why I think it's hard for people to retire because all when they do retire it's a safety net to keep going back to it yeah Yeah, because it's like they haven't really established that relationship with themselves if that wasn't if surfing wasn't there or if motocross wasn't there like ryan dungy man like he he was on the podcast and like like trying to push like dude what's next and he's like he legitimately didn't know and i felt bad i was like fuck like you've you've given your life to this and then you haven't taken the time to separate it's like church and state or you know what i mean it is really hard and and i feel like it's an important thing to get across the line because you know everyone looks at athletes and go oh man they're so lucky like this is amazing but you have to be so selfish driven and know what you want from it and you can't be hustling and doing three things on the side and feel like you're going for a world title or you're going to push a sport. It just doesn't happen. Unless you're like literally you got the blinkers on and you're focusing purely on that, then you can't have like three business ventures going and you can't be supporting, you know, a foundation that you've super, you know, pumped on, involved with. Yeah. It just doesn't happen like that, you know. So I feel like when something does end pretty abruptly or you have a career-ending injury, you know, a lot of these you know it's hard people go through depression and you get lost and it's it's not a fun place to be in and um it takes a while to find yourself again i feel and um and it doesn't matter who it is that's just reality Mm. because you you've been so focused and driven on one thing and when it stops you've got to find that fulfillment in other ways yeah and um and it doesn't happen overnight and you can't do that if you're at a, if you're a high level athlete. You can't just go, oh yeah, that stopped, and now I've just drifted into this, and it just fills every single void that I want, and yeah. it's all good. Like, it's just like, well, I, it was crazy. I was watching. Um, do you ever do you ever get like you get an NFL or anything like that? Not the NFL, no, no. I, I mean, I went to a Chargers and Raiders game. That would have been pretty sick. It was it was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> where, where was it? Oakland or San Diego? No, it was in San Diego. Yeah, and, Oakland um, fans are fucking out there. Mate, it was it was funny. Like, I was pretty hungover, and we were sitting on the wrong side of the stadium. Because San Diego is a good town to be keen for a drink. Like, there's a lot going on. Oh, there was heaps going on. Yeah, and we had way too much to drink the night before. We got tickets. We were there. We're sitting on the wrong side of the stadium. It was just baking hot. And we're right in the middle of these Raiders fans. <laughs> and I was with a friend that was kind of like a little bit trendy, you know, like. Yeah. And, yeah. and they're not that sort of crowd. Yeah. And we're just like in the middle of these kind of He's gangster. Wearing bla- He's wearing a blazer and a fucking scarf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not that trendy, but like, you know what I mean? We kind yeah. of stuck out. And, uh, and the Raiders fans were kind of, I, I feel like, yeah. And so the Raiders fans were just diehards, you know, but they were, really bad yeah i don't even think they got a score on the board oh yeah that they and that'd be really pissed. they were pissed and there was like I remember going to the food line or something like that and there was like a fight that broke out with Chargers fans and raiders fans and 
I was hung over. I'm like, what the fuck is this all about? You know, and the game was really slow. I didn't realize that they had a oh, lot of so stop, much off time. A lot of off time, you know? And so I was just like, yeah, I, I never really got into it just because I didn't know the game that well either. Yeah, so. you, you definitely like, yeah, there's an understanding that has to go with it because there's not a lot of actual like snap time, you know what I mean? No. But um, it was funny, like why I brought it up. There's a, they do, dude, you should watch a couple of them. It's called A Football Life. Yep. And there's a ton of them on, um, just on YouTube. So I'll just watch them every now and again. And um, this dude, Chris Carty, he's a Hall of Famer. And um, he was saying like in this thing where he retired and he's like, well, you just got to know that once you leave the NFL, your life will never be that good again. Yeah, exactly. Like he's, yeah, he, and he, he knew that. Yeah, and it was so blunt to where he was saying like, he's like, man, people don't want to hear it, but that's the top. Yeah. He's like, that's as good as it's ever going to get. He's yeah, like, and if, your life can never be better than when you've got the touchdown record of the NFL. He's like, that's the best it can be. And I was like, I was like, fuck, is that sad or is that just amazing? Reality. You know what I mean? And it's like, but it's right. People don't want to hear it. And like, I had one comment on um, one of the, like the Dungey thing where they're like, oh, spoiled athlete. Listen to this. You know, like your life was fucking sick. But it's super easy to say that from the outside. Oh, yeah. Looking in. But I mean, there is a dude, like, I've I've spent time around Dunge a lot to the point where I would have, leave shoots with him going, like, fuck him. Like, but it was not, it was not out of him being an asshole. It's like, that's how dedicated that dude was. And he won nine titles in his career, that Hall of Fame career, like, one of the best careers ever. And then it stopped, like, literally stopped. Yeah. And then he's just, he had no time to breathe. Or think about anything else. It was just, it's over. It's gnarly. And uh, I've been kind of fortunate, you know, big wave surfing is we make peanuts. And so I've always had to have something like little going on. And I guess your schedule's not like requiring. No, it's not like five events, all structured. You know, the tour only came about like four years ago. Yeah. And so, you know, obviously to prepare for these days, you always had to be ready you know, to surf big waves and when the swells came and stuff. So that was hard because you always had to be ready no matter what. Um, but yeah, it wasn't very structured, you know. So I was kind of lucky that I've been out to, to focus on some other stuff. Yeah. But yeah, like it's very easy to say athletes got a, the best life ever, but, you know, there's a lot of dedication. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. And, and when, those, when it does switch off and, and you know, you, you don't get a hundred messages in your inbox and like you know like all these things it's yeah it's 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 hard you know and um yeah yeah i feel like if you kind of have the right expectations and and know that you know i'm yeah i i feel like there's a lot to learn from it and good and bad yeah but yeah it's definitely a hard transition i think for a lot of people for sure yeah when you were saying that you want to do some like talks and stuff like that. Are you working on that kind of stuff? Yeah, I've been, I've actually been doing a bit of keynote stuff lately. Yeah. It's fun. It, it actually gives me the same buzz as, as, you know, getting ready to, to go, you know, surf big waves because it's so foreign to me, you know, yeah. um, I've never been. Again, it's that uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for sure. Yeah. And just knowing that you can screw it up. You know, knowing that you're speaking to people that are really intelligent and they're going to pick up on any any sort of little screw up that you do, I'm super fresh to it. Um, 
you know, I've I've only really kind of just started and I've I'm doing that because I do have a good story to tell and you know, there are certain things that I've learned in my sport that can correlate, yeah, you know, to professional jobs and people that are, you know, doctors or whatever. You know, if if you structure it right, um, around fear and, you know, commitment, preparation, all those sort of things and and so I'm just kind of, you know, looking into that and um yeah, like I said, it's it's pretty scary. But, you know, once you do one, you finish it, you're like, yeah, it kind of, it does. It gives you a, a bit of a buzz and um, it's, yeah, it pays pretty well too. What made you get into that? Because uh, I guess there's always got to be like a spark, you know what I mean? For an idea to be like, you know, I could, I could do that. Well, Mark Matthews does it. Ah, He's a good right friend on. of mine. And, yeah. you know, he, He's uh, living here now, eh? Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I was, I saw, you know, the injury that, that occurred to him when, you know, he pretty much nearly lost his leg yeah. and he's been doing the corporate stuff for a while. And were you with him that day that he did that? I was, I was about to go on the trip. Like I just canceled, um, yeah, right. like two days before it and it was a Red Bull shoot and I wasn't really involved in the shoot. So I, I just, I canned it. Um, and yeah, like heard about what happened like that day and i was just kind of couldn't really get my head around it like yeah he's like yeah he's uh spoke to his his partner and she's like yeah he could potentially lose his leg and did he get compartment syndrome or something is that what it was uh what what what, why did he almost lose his leg the whole capsule spun 180 degrees and ruptured a an artery got internal bleeding and um tore everything off the bone and yeah, literally had to get Maddie back to the, the hospital for, from what I believe. And yeah, literally had an open wound because they couldn't obviously stitch it up from, yeah. from the pressure. And yeah, it was gnarly. Like, and, and to see obviously someone that I, I surf with regularly, you know, in big ways and heavy And you know ways. his skill level and you know yeah. his preparation. Well, and just to see the sort of wave that it happened on was like, it was pretty minor compared to what we have surfed together. And, you know, to see that, you know, I'm like, geez man i've got to kind of like focus on something else a little bit more mm. um to to make sure that there is some sort of safety net there and then obviously to see you know what he gets from the the corporate speaking and you know we've both got obviously our own stories to tell yeah. and and so I'm, I'm kind of focusing a bit on that as, as well and um yeah I, I don't know it's it's like i said it's still pretty fresh but yeah i'll see where it goes and if i keep enjoying it i'll keep doing it but if it's not a passion then i'll be over it and what sort of stuff are you kind of talking about is it mainly that it's mainly, I guess, overcoming fear and it's preparation fear and also overcoming adversity yeah you know, certain things that happen um in my career and and still are happening and and you know how i kind of changed it and and got over mental barriers and hurdles and stuff like that um you know obviously that happens in in everyday life and especially you know people that are in high positions in the corporate world they have to go through that probably on the same sort of level but obviously in a different realm in a different realm you know we're kind of doing it within elements of nature and and um you know stuff that can potentially kill you and they're doing it where they've got huge consequences of you know people's money and and whatnot so especially with doctors like you can kill people too yeah, like exactly. you know the risk is kind of on another person which has got to be pretty heavy yeah yeah exactly you know they've got you know 
yeah, it's it's it is a lot more relevant than what you think. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I think just I think just fear in in general is like there's so many types of fear too that I think that when you talk about fear, you go straight to that like should I take off on this wave? Yes or no? Kind of um, or should I? You know, do this jump on a bike. That is fear but i think that there's so many different levels of fear that i think people need to i guess like acknowledge and be like oh okay i'm super yeah. scared of that you're but scared for a reason like your body's yeah. getting you scared for a reason it's not that's like, like a survival fight or flight yeah. kind of fear but, but there's processes around making sure that you make the right decision because of that that fear element coming in to basically give you the warning that that could potentially yeah. harm you you know like and I feel like those processes of dealing with that fear element is super important. Mm. Not just to go, oh, I'm, I'm scared. Ah, oh, screw it. It's just like a little thing that your body's telling you, let's go, jump yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but then I think there's a fear of like, fear of failing, fear of looking stupid in front of your mates, fear of what people's perception of you is going to be. And I think that that's a harder one to navigate in yeah, a way. Yeah, true. You know yeah. what I mean? And I think that, yeah, I, I think that you kind of throw a blanket over the term fear, or not you, but we all as all society them, yeah. throw this blanket thing of like a bear's running at you, like I'm fucking booking it out of here. Like that <laughs> yeah. is fear, but that's one dimension of fear. And I think that the other stuff's harder to get over. Like the what are people going to think of me? What are, you know, what's my parents going to say? Like, because I think, you know, a lot of people, it's such an uncomfortable feeling that it is easier just to go, nah, I just won't deal with that. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's exactly. Like, do you, do you, I guess, like teach processes then to, with like how you've got around the physical fear? And do you think that that's something that people can like kind of apply to the other fears in their life? The only thing I can do is to relate my experiences of fear yeah. to them. Yeah. I'm not a fear expert. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not smart enough to navigate their fears to what I do. I just tell my story and how I've basically dealt with the processes of fear within my line of work. And if they can take something from that yeah. and be smart enough to go, oh shit, that's kind of similar to what I deal with. Like maybe yeah. I could try to try that process. I'm not trying to go, look, this is what you have to do to deal with fear. Yeah. Like I'm an expert at fear, like do this. Like there's no way I'd get lost. Yeah. I'd get up there and just be like, because it's all Shit. so down to the individual. It's very individual. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like the only thing I can do is tell my story. And if they can relate to it and learn something from it, then that's great. Well, I think like... And I it's interesting for them. It's so left field. Yeah, for sure. You know, they're not used to hearing people like myself talk, you know, so... Well, I don't think people are used to hearing people like you talk about being scared. Because True. that's the thing I think that people will um i mean even for me like before i started filming with athletes and because i get to see that i've documented the process of people overcoming fear for the last 10 years yes and it's like the common thing is they're all scared and i think that before i started i guess the process of like legitimately documenting guys like yourself overcome fear i thought oh he's just got massive nuts and isn't scared of anything where it's quite the opposite it's that you guys are just the guys that are scared and have figured out a way around it 
to get the job done. It still scares you, but you've had the goal and you've said, okay, this is how I navigate this fear to get the result I want. Especially within that field. Like you might have guys that are fearless on a motorbike or fearless in big ways, but if you try to, you know, throw them in front of people, they can't talk. Yeah. You know, like for me, I'm dealing with a whole different feeling of fear, you know, to what I'm used to, you know, with surfing bigger waves. And I feel like kind of that is secretly driving me more towards doing a bit more of it because yeah. it's kind of like, where can I get that bit of a buzz that I get from surfing big waves? Well, and you know, the you know the reward that comes with from doing it. Doing it. Yeah. yeah. And I think Harry Bink was a cool one on the podcast because he talked a lot about just saying yes 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 to like these things that scare him and then you develop this relationship with fear and yourself to where it's like almost a positive it's like yes. you know that this good thing comes out of being scared so like just yeah let's just do it yes and it's almost like fear is the first thing and then you get through it and then you get the reward whereas people avoid the fear Altogether. and avoid the reward and then they'll chase a reward somewhere without else. the fear yeah, yeah. It doesn't it, yeah the two kind of I think there's a happy medium too, you know, like to also <laughs> to understand that that fear is there for a reason. Yeah. And if you can just keep saying yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Without understanding, you know, what, the consequences, the, the consequences of that fear and the processes of dealing with that fear, then yeah, you can find yourself in a bit of trouble. You know, you can make one decision that could, that could really fuck you up and, and your career just cause you've said, yep, I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm, I've got it. But, if you don't yeah if you pay don't attention. if you don't pay attention yeah. it can kind of yeah well, bite you on the ass a bit there's i i think though you know you get those people where um the the fear is not like that physical thing and i think where i think everyone kind of like the ice bath for example yes. like i don't think people would say i'm scared to get in there but that thing that pushes back for getting in there in the first place that's fear Oh, for sure. And you might be able to call it something else or like, I don't want to be cold, but I don't want is like, I'm scared of being cold. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, people need to readjust their language of fear. And yeah. if you, I think that if you really analyze just the everyday, like we're not talking big waves or motocross or anything like that. Now it's like, if you really analyze the things that you're scared of, like you're scared of a lot in life as oh, yeah. the average guy. And it's like, Oh, I don't want to go for a run today because my legs are sore. Well, you're scared of having sore legs. You're yeah. scared of going for a run. You're, you're, that's fear. So I think that, yeah, it's just interesting to really, like if you could admit to yourself all the shit you're scared of in your life, <laughs> yeah. then it becomes... You'd be like the yes man. Yeah, that, that, and I think that, that's... <laughs> I, yeah, well, I think that's more where, you know, that process of harry is like yeah. yes to to those things that they're, they're inconsequential in terms of a physical consequence yes but it's still something you're scared of and i think that we're we're super smart in the way that we intellectualize to where we make don't want to call it fear well yeah you make yourself feel better for yeah not sugarcoating the fear element yeah exactly so oh, i've got the i've got a bit of a flu coming on i mightn't jump in the ice bath or like dude yeah, i yeah i do that anything shit. anything yeah well that's like ricky said to me the other day she's like oh you might be getting sick and i'm like no i'm not <laughs> and i'm you know like you just you can't well i think once you can it's powerful once you start playing games with yourself oh for sure and turning that shit because i man it's so easy to succumb and just you know 
be the little sausage dog that rolls on his belly and it's just like nah it's all good like the full submission role yeah but it's like if you could yeah turn it into a game and like really fuck with yourself and see if you can again for the inconsequential stuff that yes. you're scared of because I'm not saying go surf big waves because you're a pussy. I'm saying, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, start, stop rationalizing the, everything, the little shit, because that is fear hidden in your Agenda. intellect in a way. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like, we're smart, man. We're smart enough to say exactly, oh, no, nah, I got the flu. I better not. Yeah. That's you're like, smart enough to sugarcoat yeah. the fear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, um, what are you into outside of surfing? Like, what do you get in, like, deep into? Mate, I, in all honesty, right now, I don't have a whole lot of time for anything else. Um, you know, with the other things I'm setting up, I've got, I just had a newborn about five weeks ago. I've got two, two girls now. And uh, my, my eldest, which is nearly three, she's a firecracker. So, yeah, right. Yeah, she, she's full on, man. I've got to, you know, obviously right now I'm focusing a lot on, on the family life, but I love spearing, um, spear fishing when I get a chance. You know, obviously, right into training and the whole breath thing. Um, you know, obviously, so I still surf every day. Yeah, every day, even if it's small, I love getting out there. Foiling, I've been getting into the foil boarding. Yeah, right. <laughs> loyal, Did you see Joel, loyal to the foil? Did you see uh, Joel Tudor's Instagram? Oh, uh, like if you're not John and someone get the fuck off these death machines yeah, or something yeah. like that, dude. I've been hit with longboard fins. I don't want a fucking foil coming. Uh, those things are going to be deadly. Like if I see people out, I'm over it. I won't. Like there's some people that you'll see out the alley and stuff, and you know they're cutting in between people. And even oh. I think even if I was really good at it which i'm not like yeah. i can do it but i'm not really good i still wouldn't go near people just because those things will literally cut you up yeah it'll be bad if you see 20 guys out the alley don't go out if they're out <laughs> in foils you're over it what's your home break like where where's your go-to spot well i, I live down just south of the border i yeah. bought some property down there and the goldie got a bit too much so uh, I'm close, but I'm not too close. Yeah, yeah, arm's length. <laughs> yeah. So where do you go out? Like, uh, I, oh, I guess you've got a little bit of coastline. Yeah, there's so much coastline down there that I kind of just check. So like, you know, like along the Tweed Coast and yeah. wherever's good, kind of get away. But always, I mean, if the banks are good at, if, the, if there's a swell running, I'll surf Kira or, yeah. you know, the points here. Uh, you got a crazy yeah. one that last swell. Um, or was it the swell before? Maybe the swell, swell before. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. the comp was the comp kind of killed the last swell, right? Yeah, I was but, working at the comp, yeah, so oh, that's I was right. doing the ski stuff there. Yeah, so I was kind of watching a lot of good waves, which was. Does that piss you off a bit? Ah, uh, it was all right. I've you've you know, got some before, I guess. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there was one I, I saw on video of the Kira. I guess yeah, it must have been the, the swell before. I think it was just fucking yeah. running, and you're just pulling in, pulling it, and yeah, I think from memory you had to like really race to get that first kind of barrel section anyway yeah yeah we're pretty lucky i mean you don't realize how good the waves are and you're like why does it get so crowded here yeah but like if you live somewhere else in oz and you're like you're seeing three locations that have perfect long points yeah you kind of realize like it's pretty unique yeah it's not like and you're in board shorts you're in board shorts and then you walk across the road and you can get a good coffee yeah there's a good chance you're not going to get mopped by a great white yeah somewhere like somewhere else in remote oz yeah you know so yeah it makes sense why everyone wants to live here but it is getting pretty hectic yeah it's like 
yeah especially when yeah the older you get you're kind of like fuck i'm kind of over this crowd yeah like i won't surf there unless it's really, really good thing yeah. yeah and then i guess the herd kind of thins out a little bit anyway well, yeah a little bit yeah it's still pretty hectic what um <laughs> What made you get into the UFC stuff so much? Because you're pretty into it, eh? Yeah, yeah, I know. I like, I like it. Um, Did you watch yesterday? I missed it. Yeah, I, I didn't get to see it. Oh, yeah. It was pretty good. How did he... I heard it was a lot closer than... Um, oh, like, my take on it is... Um, so, that Al Iquinta dude's, like, a really good wrestler. Oh, for sure. And I Wrestles think, bears and shit. No, that's Habib. Oh, I, yeah, Habib. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but exactly. he, the guy he was facing was also, like, a really good wrestler. Oh, he's a black belt, isn't he? um no i just think he's a old school like he was a college like a really good college wrestler we're talking about the uh the um habib fight yeah Khabib yeah. versus ally quinter yeah yeah so he's not he's not like a jiu-jitsu dude or anything but he's a um well he fought the hawaiian though right uh no 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 oh so you didn't know that so um they wouldn't let max fight why because he he had like 10 pounds to cut in a day and they were saying like... So they didn't fight in the end? No. So he fought this dude, Al Iaquinta. Okay, I'm like, have you got it wrong? Like, nah, I'm like did nah, you watch nah. the fight? Nah, nah. <laughs> right. Yeah, so last minute. Yeah, so they, they just said it was... It literally two. must have been last minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was day, like the day of the weigh-ins. So he, like, he couldn't even get down to that nah. heavier weight. No, so uh, yeah, because he walks around at like 180, 175 pounds. So he had like 30 pounds to cut so within that well because i remember days. i remember in the press conference i was like you know how are you going to cut this weight within six days and he's just like he yeah, just I brushed it off yeah, like yeah. it was nothing i'm like how like he must weigh he must walk around like yeah he's super heavy. heavy yeah well he's a tall yeah, yeah tall dude so that happened and then ally quinta who was also on the card but then it all just got shuffled around because they dropped three fights because of the whole connor thing and Jeez, um, he went off his head didn't he <laughs> that was weird um <laughs> So then, yeah, that they got in this Al Iaquinta dude who's um, from Long Island. So he had like the whole New York crowd there. But he's a wrestler. So Habib's a wrestler. Oh, wow. And then the first two rounds, he just beat the piss out of him. Like just did what he always does, took him to the ground, beat the piss out of him. Oh, so he did take a wrestler to the ground a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And he, he smoked him. And there was like in round one, he could have choked him. Round two could have choked him could have come him like he could have stopped the fight and he was just dragging it out yeah oh yeah but he said that like i was texting some buddies and they're like oh this is going to be over quick and i was like now i'm pretty sure he'll stay in for five rounds just to beat the piss out of this dude because he was saying that to max too yeah yeah it's like i'm ready for five rounds like yeah. he's, he's <laughs> that's the thing with the beep like he's always had these injuries to where he's so in and out of the ufc through injury and you just and then like the fights with tony ferguson get cancelled so he's like, he's just never getting that ring Shot, time. And yeah. then people are dodging him. So like basically first two rounds, beat the piss out of him. Could have finished it like easily. Well, man. Like, it was obvious. Obviously. Like if you had known anything about any ground yeah. work, like he, he had his back next, and next yeah. there, he's laid flat. And like he, so he's laid flat, both hooks in and just punching the dude in the head. And he's like, they're talking. He's like talking to him, doing his normal Khabib shit. And then the third round, he shot for a couple like kind of weak singles. And then he just started boxing the dude. And like, so Al's trying to, but like Khabib didn't even have a scratch on him. So he's just playing that sort of defense. And like, it's funny whenever Rogan says anything on the broadcast, if you go onto like the comments of any UFC picture after the fight yeah they fucking copy like exactly the black like, everybody copies the exact point that he said 
And so Joe was making a thing where he was like going back with his chin up. He's like, man, you know, that chin, he's exposing his chin, blah, blah, blah. But like, like I was saying to my mates texting after the fight, I was like, if you don't feel like you're in danger, then like, what are you going to defend? You know what I mean? Like if you literally feel like this guy cannot do anything to you, then yeah, you kind of can get reckless. What round was that though? Like Third. Yeah. So you probably... Yeah, so he probably he went, wasn't doing that the first two rounds. No, exactly. It so only takes one little tag on your chin and you, you're done, you know, especially with those gloves. It's like yeah, that can someone be, yeah. can get pretty lucky. Well, <laughs> but really, by the third, I mean, he's probably figured him out that he's yeah, he just, wasn't there. And the shots weren't even landing. Yeah. And like he was moving back. But then like you'd see, oh, Al just threw a couple bombs, but it was just all like overhand rights. And yeah, he's, he's just, just doing the shoulder roll. Yeah. And um, so then, yeah, three and four, he just stood up and like that, but that, that ally Quinta dude like jabbed him like five times in the face and he just nodded at him the whole time. Oh, wow. So yeah. he had nothing. What's that? No, oh, Habib was just like jabbing him. Yeah, yeah. And um, like, it was just, it was just like a weird dynamic and it was like, then he sort of half shot for a couple, but then just stayed standing and then the last round took him to the ground, beat the piss out of him again tried for a couple half chokes but it was almost like he'd use a choke to set up more chokes no like like punches to the face oh right so it was like getting you know getting an arm in and then posting on the arm and then just like wailing on him again yeah Yeah. so it was just like that fight where every like everyone on instagram and twitter after that fight was like oh tony and connor knocks him the fuck out in the first round I'm like, kind of, man. Like, did you not see what he did in the first two rounds? So, like, a way better wrestler yeah. than Connor or Tony. It's like, weird, you pretty much it's have weird. zero confidence in Connor on the ground. It's, zero. It's weird, though, that he didn't just end it because now people are like... That's exactly what I You know I what I mean? Like, it, That's the negative. It's weird because he'd be like, well, he couldn't even finish. Oh, mate, you know, it went five rounds, you know, but obviously he probably meant to, to drag it out, but he probably should have just finished it in that way. You know, yeah, because there was this real fear that come with Khabib that everyone had. Like every, there was like there was this uh, like a aura about him and the way that people spoke about him. And then, but he'd never given anyone a chance to like doubt that. And then he he did. He just let the door open. But obviously, he just doesn't give a fuck. Oh, it would have been sick to see Max. I know. Do you know? Have you met him? I've met like, him once. Yeah, yeah right. Because yeah. he seems he, like a really nice... He, I mean, he's, he was a nice guy. Like, yeah. For sure. The but whole, that, that Hawaiian, the West Side Hawaiian thing. Yeah. Yeah. He wouldn't back down from anything. No, fuck no. Like, <laughs> you can see that, you know? Yeah. And that's why, like, back to the conversation earlier that I had, you know, it's, it's a wild place, you know? You, on the North Shore, they've got some of the best fighters in the world that yeah. just go post up there. And it's like the best waves are here, but they're there to train for to be some of the best fighters in the world right around all these surfing locations. And they're in people's like garages and stuff. Yeah. Like you roll up to, to do a, a bit of jewelry or something and like BJ Penn's there and like all these guys from the UFC and you're kind of like... Jeez, heavy. it's kind of like a heavy vibe. Yeah, yeah. Is that what got you into? Because you said you're the longest serving white belt ever. Is in that, history. Is that? <laughs> is that? Um, is that what got you into it? Like spending time on the North Shore. Uh yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'd love like now that I've probably got a bit more time to to do a bit more, you know, Dewey and stuff. But yeah, obviously, all my mates do it, and yeah, you know, it's because it's, it's massive in surfing now, eh? Yeah. 
Well, every, I guess it's just massive everywhere. But it's massive everywhere. But you know, obviously, you know, I've had mates that have been doing it for for you know forever. Yeah, yeah. How um, how does that kind of fear relate to um the surfing stuff? Like, were you pretty nervous when you first started, like, legitimately rolling? Or no, like it was good. Like, yeah, you, no, yeah, I you wasn't nervous good. one yeah. bit. I was just like, yeah, if someone catches me out of like oh yeah, yeah. just tap like yeah that'd be sick if i that, could do that <laughs> yeah you'd be like no no, no i'm, I'm down, down. Yeah, yeah i'm down tap out i'm done yeah. that's a that's like a massive ego thing too though like because you'll see people that will just they can't they can't get oh, especially tap, in that you know? in that white belt realm yeah like, yeah guys are trying to kill you hang on for dear life yeah. too. i just want to get out of a white belt so i don't have to roll with any more white belts yeah how how um how long have you been doing it oh just on and off for like probably four years yeah right but i'm so inconsistent yeah yeah you probably if you went and gave it a crack for you know six or eight months like you could probably i could for you sure. could probably get your blue belt pretty easy with that definitely much time. yeah i could have you had like one academy that you've kind of stuck to or it's just been whenever um, you've traveled i like i like flow down at Coolangatta, yeah. just because a lot of the brazilian guys surf yeah so i see them out in the water and I, it was actually funny the first time i went in there um obviously there's a lot of brazilians that surf around cool and gather yeah. you know you have to be pretty ruthless in the water and there was a couple that you know maybe i'd dropped in on or something like that yeah and the first day i walked in there they they were all like staring at me this motherfucker yeah <laughs> and i think i'm like what have i got myself into here like yeah. and i kind of got a bit rattled i'm like Fuck, you know have i had beef with any of these guys or yeah. like had a run in with them in the water but no they're they super nice and um it's just easy you know i've got friends yeah that, that you know obviously go there and it's a good vibe so i just roll there oh when when i had hoy on the podcast he was talking about like oh, we said something because last time i surfed um it was i think on that swell we were talking about where you got that good one at kira yeah um oh, i was surfing like greeny and that and this just like full Aussie tradie dude was just like blow out like go back to Sao Paulo and I'm just like <laughs> I'm like bro bro don't say that shit like you don't know like what that motherfucker puts around his waist like yeah. you have oh. no idea yeah and it's like it's, you it's, say to you say to people like I'll talk to people like look you can watch people do jujitsu and it looks like a fair fight yeah but they both know jujitsu yeah exactly it's like you take a person that doesn't know jiu-jitsu and then you put them against a person that does know jiu-jitsu and it's like you're not watching the same thing anymore no, like, no. you're watching a, a boa constrictor around a fucking child yes. like that's the level yeah. and i don't think people and the ufc gives people a false sense of what jiu-jitsu is i think in a way because those dudes know jiu-jitsu oh yeah it's just like like everyone does like when yeah. like so when like um brian ortega choked out frankie edgar yes frankie edgar's a black belt yeah yeah and, and he, he made him kind of look oh he didn't choke him out sorry um cub swanson is what i meant to say oh right yes but yeah you, yeah i makes know what him, you're saying yeah, it makes yeah. him look like so you're like oh fuck like but that guy knows he's a black belt so yeah, imagine exactly. you get a dude that's a black belt in the water out there with you what, and you don't know and you're talking shit and you go into the beach like there's no chance no nah, it's got, over yeah you got to be very at, le at least at least if you know the fundamentals of Dewey mm. and something obviously did happen you know if someone's a badass at Dewey to get up and like at yeah. least posture up and, and, and try to get your feet <laughs> off 
But I feel this, like yeah. I feel like if you got in a situation where you got in like a fight with a dude that knows jujitsu and you kind of know jujitsu, I feel like it'd just turn into a match. And if he caught you, he'd just let you go. <laughs> don't you reckon? I, don't, I mean, I yeah. guess it depends. Uh, who knows? I, I mean, guess it depends. But I feel I, I think especially with like a Brazilian dude because they they've. Almost like, like respect you, like, oh yeah, I, both, that's what, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think like if he's like, oh hip escape, okay, yeah. fair enough, fair enough, <laughs> and they'd be like, maybe you just go like, no, 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 I'm done, and he'd probably let you. Or go. if he was real pissed and he was the black belt, you'd just be waking Asleep. up, yeah. Oh shit, okay. yeah, because you just wake yeah. up and you're like, what the fuck. But that would be an easy way out. I think I'd, for I'd, sure, I'd like to get choked out. And like if you went, if someone called you out in the beach and then they just were crazy at stand up. Or Muay Thai, they just kicked your leg out and just started punishing you. I'd way prefer to get choked out by a black belt. Yeah, this shows <laughs> a little bit of mercy. Yeah. But yeah, I always see like, yeah, you're right. There's so many down in like Cooley and that whole that whole stretch of That's why it was mate. funny when I walked in there. I'm like, oh, oh shit, what have I done? <laughs> oh, oh, that's super cool. Yeah, it's, yeah, um, yeah you just don't, don't want to fuck with Brazilian surfing. You just don't want to deal with, you just don't want to fight in general. Not in general. Yeah, that's true. Um, so have you trained on like the North Shore? So you've like trained in BJ Penn's gym and stuff like that? No, no, no. I, I've just, uh, I've, you know, usually when I'm in Hawaii, I'm there to surf, you know. Yeah. I don't really care too much about, you know, going to Dewey. Like my, my focus is just to surf. And yeah. generally when I go, the waves are always good, you know. And because I'm not used to rolling all the time, you know, like it, I pull up sore yeah. for a couple of days and I'm like, oh, was it really worth it? I just missed out on really good ways because I rolled for too long or something like that. So, you know, I, I'd, I'd rolled at um, Sunset Jiu-Jitsu a few times and, yeah, it's I kind of, I'm more, I'd be more inclined to want to, you know, roll when I'm at home because... Yeah, when you got a bit of downtime. Yeah, and the waves, I'm not really worried if I miss a yeah. day at snapper at two foot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and not stressing too hard. Yeah, exactly. How long um how long till the podcast is going on your end? Um, I've ordered the equipment, so Ooh. yeah, it was a big step. Yeah. It was a massive step actually. It's not that cheap either, is it's it? It's not cheap, no. And I was like that fear thing again. Yeah, like, true way. I wonder if it's shit. What am I gonna do? I'm gonna have all this equipment and so it was a pretty big step and um yeah, I'm just gonna you know, if it goes shit maybe i might just have to offload some equipment <laughs> <laughs> no nah, you'll be right yeah what have you got like a name for it and shit uh i've got um yeah i've got a few up in the air but nothing in concrete yet i, I just want to i want to try to get like five under my belt yeah and just purely just roll and then you know obviously get some good conversations going with some friends um you know like i'd love to do one with mick now that he's actually retired yeah um you know maybe you know do one with kelly just because you know i've got access to those guys and yeah you know so just just try to get some of those out of the way and and see where it goes and you know hopefully i'm enjoying it and stuff and you know it's it's easy i mean yeah realistically you're just having a chat to a mate yeah and um and it's fun you know so that's um definitely not trying to break any records or like be the next joe rogan but yeah just just something to do you'll get like you'll definitely get um i guess what we were saying like you got to find the reason why and i definitely had that thing where i was like because it it is a weird situation and you're used to being on camera and like performing and in, in a different realm but 
I, for me, was like, man, I've been deleting my voice out of interviews for 10 years. Have you, have you, um, have you done a podcast that you thought was going to go well and it was just really hard? Like a person, you don't have to obviously mention names, no, but like, like my fear is like to, to do a podcast with someone that I think is going to be really good yeah. and I have no connection and the podcast just turns to shit. It just doesn't. You know? Well, I think that it's just like, and what we were kind of saying before is like, I've kind of thought like, oh, should I try and know a lot about a person? Because like, I think there's been times where like you've got a guest on and the your audience kind of expects you to ask certain things yes. like like so with me i'll probably leave here and then a full ryan hipwood fan is gonna go like oh you should have asked him about that time he wiped out here or yes. he got this crazy and i'm like well fuck i didn't really know about that and it's like i think that you can get into a a spot where I it's get, just questions you yeah just like, like i can go either way where yeah. it's like am i trying to do I want to know about stuff that's like easily Googleable? Yeah. And yeah, it's or, or do we want to like you was you know there's been points in this where you're like I don't even know how I feel about that, and it's like it's yeah, like exactly. oh well then let's just talk about it. You've yeah. got time, so it's like I feel like when it's an interview and you've got those set questions, then um, it doesn't give you as much room to kind of deviate, right? Well, for me, when you listen to a podcast, you want to hear stuff that you haven't heard, heard before. before. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't want to hear the same set questions, you yeah. know? And I feel like if you if I'm doing a podcast with someone, I want to, I want them to be into it so it's not the same stuff they've been asked, asked a thousand time. times. Yeah, yeah. That's you know, definitely so. the, the thing that I guess you run with athletes. But I guess like, yeah, I kind of run on the thinking of, and especially at the start it was people i knew really well yeah. so i kind of knew the questions that'd be asked and and i think that if it's with athletes i've got a pretty good idea of what people get asked because i've been the dude doing the asking, asking before. um but yeah so i guess like that's the only thing like i've never really had one that didn't go well or i was like oh that was awkward i couldn't get a connection but i think that um you've just got to realize people are different and, and, it's and like, adapt a bit too. Yeah. yeah. So like, well, perfect example, Courtney Atkinson. Oh, that dude's a legend. Like he's an Olympian, yes. like Red Bull triathlete. Like the dude's a G. He's been to these crazy places, but there's, a, in, there's an intensity with him. Like he's an intense guy. He thinks intense. He talks intense. Like, yes. And then you've got to kind of like... Ramp your shit up. <laughs> yeah. And I, I didn't... I was like, fuck, Courtney's bringing the heat, you yeah. know? But then with me and you... <laughs> you're like so, super laid back yeah so it's like you can almost you almost slow down so i think it's just i guess expectation breeds some kind of let down it's like if you don't have an expectation you want me to you speed shit up for you mate <laughs> <laughs> but you know what i mean so it's like but i yeah. didn't have an expectation yeah with, so it's like you just get in you just fucking do it but i think i don't know there's pros and cons to to doing it that way of like not doing any research because there's probably some yeah like some guy that knows your career that's like fuck you didn't even ask me about the best thing ever yeah and i'm like well i don't know and then like i don't know maybe it's like well you didn't bring that up maybe that's not your best thing ever so i think yeah. that i've just solely run on the the uh, my agenda is have a conversation that i would just want to have without too much going too hard into it because I think that, like, you see it, I always relate it to, like, bands, right? Yeah. So, you get, like, um, it's like a ground, like, tool, 
groundbreaking. Yeah. They don't give a fuck. They're not trying to make a sound for anybody. They're just doing their own thing or like Rage Against the Machine. Yes. And then you get people that are like, oh, that was really popular. I want to make the Rage Against the Machine sound. And then you start playing to an audience. And then the problem is like when Maddie Mac, um, the problem is when there's like the, there's a really wide range of subjectivity there. People move on, trends change, people's change. So I think that, yeah, any time you start reading too far into like, what the masses might think, then you sort of play and catch up. Yeah, like you can exactly. never really be on trend, if that makes sense. Yeah, you're always chasing your tail yeah. a little bit. So I think that's been my thing with this is like, sometimes maybe I don't ask the right questions that I should have, but I'm just asking the questions and like take it all easy almost <laughs> yeah. because it's, it. and it, I don't know, like I don't want it to sound douchey, but it's like, you you just can't please well, it's, it's your it's your podcast that's so true it's mine <laughs> you're gonna be happy with it yeah and like you can't like i'd get lost man like i'd get lost in trying to please people and trying to like you just i guess you just have to back yourself to be like all right this many people have listened to it this far that obviously there's people that like it and if people drop off along the way bummer like i'd love to have more the most people listening the yeah, better exactly but you've just i think for consistency sake and long term sake you just have to be doing the, the way that it comes natural to you to do it yeah and that's yeah I, I i feel like if there's set questions it almost takes you down the wrong path a bit too you know what it's like you know when you travel without really booking much shit yes I and you end up that. having a fucking <laughs> yeah. sick trip yeah and like then if you have the fully planned trip then i don't someone, plan anything i'm the same i'm the worst i mean if my wife wants me to plan something, it just rattles me. I just can't do it. I'm the exact, like, it stresses me out to book something in advance. Can't do it. More than it does to rock up at an, at an airport day of with a ticket. If my wife says we're going camping in two weeks. You I, don't want to go. I just can't do it. Yeah. I'm it it rat- absolutely rattles me. <laughs> I say, and people think it's yeah. ludicrous. Like, they're like, what do you mean? Well, we don't do anything. She's like, we can't plan anything. I'm like, well, I just don't plan. It's not what I do. I'm so, I'm exactly the same. Like, I say to people, like, well, especially Ricky. I shouldn't say people. I say to Ricky, um, planning something gives me the same stress of you not planning something. Yeah, for sure. Just because, like, a person, like, so with Rick, she'd be like, all right, we've got to make a plan. We've got to do it that same anxiety that she's feeling to like get it done is the same anxiety I'll get if it gets done. So I'm like, just, I don't know, my hands are tired. What you do you just, want to yeah. do? I, I just, yeah, plan it, but I can't guarantee it's going to happen. I'm the exact same. Like we got a wedding in o- October. I want to go. Yeah. But if someone like, if Chris Hemsworth goes, hey, Jace, mate, we're going to do a podcast this day, this time, can't be early. I'm like, fuck, I'm, oh, there. I'm probably going. <laughs> That's a bad example. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like sometimes stuff comes up where you cannot say no to it. Like it could be, you know, life-changing this, life-changing that, this. And it's so open-ended. I, I think especially in our lifestyle where it's just, you're just one opportunity to the next. Well, you just so, I'm so used to not planning, you know, yeah. like especially you know, with swells and stuff, they just pop up. Yeah. You get a mate, oh, have you seen it? And you're like literally on edge just tracking this thing. And then you don't, I literally, I haven't made a full decision until about... The 11th hour. No, nah, not even that. 
like five hours yeah. i'll wait till the death and then like i'm literally trying to pack everything within an hour to get to brisbane to fly out yeah and like sometimes i don't even like fully know if i'm going to commit once i've already bought the ticket yeah like i might i might pull out yeah. like i feel like the hardest thing for me with with swells or planning is like committing to actually go yeah once i'm there it's just like oh it's 20 feet tomorrow who cares i'm already here yeah well that's but actually a- to get to that point is is sketchy yeah yeah i i think the same thing and i i just think like especially in this space of it's more so the film stuff than the podcast stuff but in the film stuff man i'm just living one fucking shoot to the next yeah and it's like you just kind of don't ever have security in when you're i guess when you work for yourself in any realm like there's no security there and i think that if you own like a window tinning business on the gold coast then yeah like you know where you're going to go every day but in like this realm of being a freelance filmmaker like man my mum i'll just like text my mum one day she asked me she's like oh can you can you log on and do this uh it was like some banking or tax shit and i was like oh i'm in alaska and i was like in the fucking north pole <laughs> in a helicopter <laughs> she and, couldn't get her head around it yeah and she's yeah. just like she's like oh you didn't tell me you were going to alaska and i was like well that's because i just literally got asked the day that we flew out people can't understand that I'll go to Tahiti for three days to surf yeah, as well. Yeah, big time. And there's like a pretty high chance sometimes that when you get there, it's shit. Don't like, you. for instance, I went to Nazare for the first time at the start of the year. Yeah. And obviously, it's a long trip over there from here. I was tracking the swell. They were about to call the event on, which I was in. I wanted to get some experience before the event. I had never surfed the, over there, never really even been to Europe before and so really until this year well i I went to ireland but i hadn't been to like portugal and france and all that sort of stuff yeah um so i was speaking to a friend i'm like what do you think you know he obviously knew that the maps over there better than what i did he's like jump on a flight it's on i got to dubai and he goes i got a text straight you know when you turn your phone on or off airplane mode like five text messages yeah have you left yet um maps have gone terrible it's gonna be fucking onshore and shit don't come and i'm like looking at i'm at dubai flight's about to leave in another hour i'm like i was literally about to like get on a flight to go back to sydney and there was no connecting to go back so i just had to jump on the flight end up going there it was shit but then the next swell was like 40 feet and it was biggest swell they've had all year and really I, I literally because i've been focusing on paddling i didn't have any tow board so that place like guys are going there to get the biggest wave ever and they're and, doing that on tow boards and on tow boards yeah and like i've obviously purely been focusing on paddling in and haven't really cared about trying to catch the biggest wave ever so i was kind of like the forecast that was looking shit was actually quite good for the tow guys yeah okay so i got there that night never been there hired this little egg beater car <laughs> cars are going like th- 200 past me and i'm like shaking out the wheel just <laughs> hadn't slept for like 24 hours S- got there that night saw my buddies from oz that were there that you know they've been chasing this way for forever ross clark and that were there yeah went to sleep woke up that next morning at five they drove me down to the harbor in the dark hadn't seen the wave like literally haven't laid eyes on it 
I got out there. They had a ski organized for me to jump on. They had a, I had a borrowed tow board that I hadn't even put my feet in. So like when you have straps on your tow board, you can like gauge to whether how tight they are, yeah. if, they, if they're even the right stance. If you can even get in them. And- like the guy might have a whole different stance to you. I didn't even get a chance to put my feet in it. He's like, jump on. Everything was so rushed. These guys have been waiting like months over there for this swell. And I rock in thing I'm going to paddle. It's like like the biggest swell they've had all year. And I'm like, I haven't towed in for, I don't know, like two years. Just been paddling. That's all, all I've been focusing on. Um, had no tow board, borrowed stuff. Got out there. The light's just coming so up. So setting up to be a cracker. Like literally just got out there and my buddy was pretty comfortable out there on the ski and he's like fucking with me. Like we're in the, like right where the waves are about to break and because they're, it stands up for so long out of these huge canyons that like from the ways I'm used to surfing, if you see a swell like that, it's breaking. It's yeah. going to hit a ledge and it's going to go from zero to a hundred and literally like Exploded go square yeah. and you've and you're screwed if you're anywhere near it like sitting there on a ski and he's like toying with it like knowing that i'm not used to it i'm like man what are you doing like like if you screw up at nazareth on a ski that early in the morning and there's no other ski there you're screwed there's a cliff and like where we're sitting if we if our ski broke down or like if we flipped on the ski and something happened you got no safety and no one's going to get you and you're on the cliff and you're dead like your cactus um he's like you want to go i was like not really I'll, like you go first he's like nah i'm gonna wait a bit who are you with on the ski oh um so it was ross clark jones and two guys from wa that you probably wouldn't have heard of, heard of they're just some un- more underground guys that just charge yeah crazy um and they're like, yeah, no, nah. Ross and the other guy were like waiting for waves. And I was like, yeah, I'll try it out. I said, take me down the beach where it's a little bit smaller. Like it's still like 30 feet. Yeah. And um, and so he's whipped me in. First wave I got whipped into, just cartwheeled. Like hit this chop that was, the chops like in the wave are like six foot high. So like moguls, like. Um, yeah, like, like downhill skiing or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I'm riding this tow board. I wanted to fill it out. And I got whipped into a wave and just cartwheeled down the face. And luckily it was so big, it wasn't really breaking. Like it just... Yeah, it has those weird ones that kind of just rolls through away. Yeah, exactly. So I was lucky that I fell early enough where I didn't suck me over the falls. And um, and then I kind of was over it. Like I'm like, I'm like risking you know, myself to... It wasn't worth it. And I sat back and I'm like, all right, you're up. First wave I whip him into... And like, if someone goes down at this spot, it's heavy if they get sucked in. Like if they fall, if you fall off in general out there, it's gnarly. If they get fall off and they get pushed on the inside, mm. you literally, it's, that's the sketchiest thing that you can literally do at Nazareth is to go in to grab them because there's whitewash. You can't get, uh, the, the ski cavitates. Yeah, it just goes, yeah, yeah. And that's why you see skis getting blasted up the beach there all the time. Yeah, right. First way it's like there's so much turbulence they're not actually pushing against water it's just like a just mix air. of air and spray yeah exactly so first wave i've never like been there for an hour i whip him in to the biggest wave he's ever had he's like <laughs> he's, i'm looking at it, i'm like you want it he's like yeah yeah whipped him so. in too deep he eats shit 
he's oh. down like the, everyone like in the channel's like he's down he's down i'm like first thing i can think of is like are you fucking serious like this is the last thing i want to be doing like i've been here for an hour i haven't slept and he's gone down first wave the biggest way he's ever had and i have to go in to grab him and mate it was it was gnarly like literally had to beach the ski and like just yeah it was it was gnarly the the first like two hours of being there it was just you're just like fuck i'm over it let's go jesus home. it was gnarly you wanted some two foot snapper didn't you two felt two foot snapper felt pretty good at that <laughs> stage <laughs> it's so but back to you back to your point yeah it's um planning for me is pretty pretty abnormal yeah i just find it i find it hard to commit and i i wonder too if i'm like why just going for the best thing but you sort of have to you know what i mean like you some if you make a plan and get locked into something there's always something bit potential there's always a bigger fish in a way so it's like you've well you got to go to see that bigger fish yeah like if, if you don't commit to it yeah but i know what you mean like committing too far advanced yeah, kind you of could just blow something that's yeah. life-changing yeah. and it's like it's hard and i've i've got in a place where i've let so many people down based on like yeah yeah i'll do that and then something happens that i can't avoid and it's like whether it's financially or career-wise like you've got to take it like oh for sure and I, a lot of people don't it's hard for people to like wrap their head around that you know like why would you you said you'd do it and it's like fuck man like when you've when you've just scraping by or you've been pushing so hard and this is an opportunity you've been waiting for and i guess it'd be similar with swells then it's like sorry like that's where the pro like, i guess like you said you have to be selfish in a lot of ways to make shit happen well yeah especially in your line of work and you know what i do as well it's just you're expected to be there like and if you're not there's another dude that will take your job yeah exactly like yeah if red bull you know calls up and like that alaska thing and they're like jace you gotta go to alaska right now we've we've decided we're gonna film it because like they've been doing this event forever yeah it's called arctic man up in um oh, i've heard of that yeah it's levi the valley what, what's and, it all about oh it's the gnarliest shit ever it's like so underrated they've never filmed it and um basically you've got you go to the top right you got a downhill skier there's these two peaks and it's called the tip and it's like in it's like six hours north of anchorage man like full north pole wow and you go up there and there's the skier starts on the top of the tit and um then they go down they do like a crazy downhill ski run and then the um the guy in the snowmobile it goes flat through this canyon right yeah so right. the guy in the snowmobile like they time there's a fucking wakeboard rope behind the what? behind the thing the driver of the skis uh holding it He's going through, hands it off to the skier. Skier grabs it, goes back, 18 miles an hour, man. Whips them up through this canyon and then they go out onto the flats, pin it on the flats and then there's another downhill section. The ski dude, like, they pull on the ski, like, you know, when you wake up. Sounds like or the something. best thing ever. Is it's it, gnarly, And they've dude. never documented it properly? Never really, eh? So they're like, and it was just like this really underground event, like... It's just full bogans, dude. Like Alaska. So it's like bogans. A, it's like the Australian um, tinny racing yeah, yeah. version. Yeah, <laughs> big time, dude. But yeah. like twenty thousand people rock up to this thing, and um, yeah. So then, anyway, the guy lets go of the the um, the ski, and then just sends it. They got this huge jump. Like the videos on Red Bull. I don't and, have to um, check this out. Yeah, it's fucking wild, man. So it's like eighty-five miles an hour. Like the ice that's hitting him off the back of the ski. And, oh, from um, the tracks of the... Yeah, from the ski. Yeah, yeah. And he's just getting pumped, dude. 
And uh, so it's Darren Ralphs. He was an Olympic um, uh, skier for Red Bull. Yeah. So, yeah, they teamed up and he's won it a couple of times. Then they have like – the problem is that the skis aren't really meant to go that fast. So everyone's trying to get like the maximum speed out of these skis. Yes. A lot of people just blow their shit up. And um, so, yeah, something happened this year. Like the, it's crazy because like the snow was – or not this year, the year I did it. Um, the snow was like wet the day before we were testing. Right. And then it dried out overnight. So it's like rocks. Yeah. So they, well, they run this gearing and it, the tracks worked better with this gearing in the wet snow. And then as soon as it dried out, they needed to go back to their old setup. Right. So anyway, they ended up getting fourth or fifth or something, but it was just like this crazy event. And like Red Bull calls up the day, like the day before. Did you know anything about it before? Never even heard of it, man. Yeah. Never been to Alaska. I, I, I've heard of it, but I never had... Well, it's been off like it... 30 years. Wow. Yeah. But that's like, that, you talk about that opportunity thing is they, they go like, um, hey, I need, like, we just decided we're going to film this. Um, do you want to be the dude that does it? And it was like, well, it wasn't even for very much money. And I was just, but, you know, the producers that are behind it and, you know, how the whole kind of ecosystem works. Yeah. And I was like, fucking ding. I'd and love, then like I'd love eight to... hours later, I'm on a plane to Alaska. And dude, I had not like... I went to Burton down the road in Hollywood. Like I was living in, in Beverly Hill, uh, Hollywood, Beverly Hills at the time. Yeah. And um, I went down on Sunset Boulevard to Burton and um, and bought Stocked like up. thermals and shit. <laughs> I was like, man, I had no, I couldn't find my boots. So I was wearing like Nike tennis shoes and it was like negative 30 oh, or something. That's going to be wet oh, in the was, first two hours. It was so bad. Um, but yeah, like that thing, I if I had something else planned, I would have just like fucking X that and you have to go. So it's like you just, it pays to stay as loose as you can. And if I didn't go, then oh, yeah, I'm sure anyone other kid with a camera would have got it. And, and it was a dope experience. Like the, to be in Alaska and be in those mountains and like, I'm, I'll be honest. That was one of the most scared I've ever been in my life. Like I've grown up racing. Oh, really? Oh, fuck, bro. Like the mountain ranges were the just The mountains like were so... Cliffs. Oh, yeah. And so I'm on a snowmobile. Like this is this is like the thing, right? Like people don't... You know, there's always the things people don't get about what you have to do when you're like, oh, I go do this. And oh, you're yeah. like, oh, sick. That yeah, must yeah. be right. So the, with me, like they like fly to Alaska, barely have enough clothes. And then they go... All right, that's your snowmobile. I was like, "What do you mean?" Like, well, you got to get around. Like, I was the only filmer, so it's like, "Oh wow, yeah." So it was just like, yeah, it was full bare bones. They just wanted to document it because, yep. like, no one at Red Bull had even seen really this event apart from some photos. And, it's pretty um, cool how they support that stuff, eh? Dude, like, they had like the full Red Bull tent there, and like they they definitely put a bit into it. It's smart. Like, there's so many things that people do, like just off the wall, off crazy the, yeah. shit. But yeah, so I get on this snowmobile and it's like, I'm lucky I've rode bikes my whole life. Yeah. So I get on this thing, I got like $60,000 worth of cameras strapped to me, my tripod, I got no food, no water, no nothing. And this thing's like miles, dude. And you had a cliff like this, like oh. just put the handbrake on. Like. And the, the sled was a piece of shit. Like I went out there the first time and there's like thousands and thousands and thousands of people out there. So the just. tracks are just getting like chewed up out man so it's like just whoops it was like the fink like desert race in australia yeah right raw 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 the whole time i got all this shit like trying to i crashed the ski like a like three or four times i'd be freaked out that like how do you just park it like because you'd be filming like 
Well, yeah, you just got yeah, you just got to Or did you have to hike hike up? I did a a fair bit of hiking as well. But like, man, some of the shit, and you know what it's like when you're in the snow. You get no perspective of how steep something is. I'm just like looking at these ice walls, dude. Like they look twenty stories high. And you're just going like, and just the ski's go, a piece of shit. You're about to go see this ski into about a thousand people at the bottom of the hill. Dude, I had a couple of times, so they ended up renting me like a better ski with more horsepower because yeah. this thing just couldn't get up these hills. I had one dude, I went up and got halfway up it and then turned and like, you're on oh, an God. angle like that. And because I was like, it was either bail and fuck the ski. What's the deal with it? Like, how do you slow them down and stuff? I don't know. I think, I don't even, I think they got brakes on the back. I would never. I've never to, even been on one. I'm trying to remember now, to be honest. It, was it like must a, have a break on the yeah, tracks to stop it. Yeah, right? yeah. It's just all. It's actually yeah. It's on the tracks. But um, yeah, like at the top of the where we were filming um, or basing for the most part was pretty flat. Like you get to the top of the big hills, like so you can't park it. Yeah. But yeah, just to get there was just like these ridiculous hills, man. And the first time going out there, I was just like, what the fuck am I doing? What am I, what am I myself into? And I was so there? cold as well. So you like, you add in all those like external factors. But yeah, the first time I tried to get up this one main hill to get out there, I just, it thing didn't have enough power to get up it. So I've just turned man, on this <laughs> angle and like I'm at the top and it's like drifting down. Oh, I'm like, oh, 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 trying to like get it to turn back down. But then I ended up saying to one of the guys that was with me, he's like a really little dude and he didn't have any equipment or anything and he was yeah. on like a 700 horsepower fucking well, 700 up. cc thing and um and i was just like give me that it was just what just yeah. pin it up there but like there was one shot we went up through this canyon and i was like oh i'll get this cool shot of you coming through here so i rode up to this peak and uh one of the guys was like oh damn man that's like brave going up there and i was like why he's like oh that i like, dude died in an avalanche there a couple of years ago Oh, wow. And I'm like, well, fucking thanks. Like, <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, I just thought you knew what you were doing. I was like, I got no idea, man. I didn't yeah. see snow till I was 20, 24 years old. Leading no band in Alaska on a yeah, ridge was, line or something. Yeah, it was just sketchy. And then like almost fell out of a helicopter. And like it was just full wow. on, like I a, a full on trip. I had a crazy experience. I um I go over to New Zealand a little bit. Well, I've, not a lot, but I've been probably three times now. And uh, I've got a buddy that does the uh heli tours over oh there. really yeah and um he's like you gotta come over it's amazing you know obviously new zealand's pretty close you can get direct flights you know straight there straight from tweed straight from tweed and <laughs> uh yeah so i went over and i'm not an amazing snowboarder like i can do it but i wouldn't say like i'm that great yeah and so i jump in with him his wife and their skiers and they're really good Oh, from, so you're heli tour snowboarding in yeah, New Zealand. in New Zealand. Yeah, right. And I didn't realize how good it was. But, you know, he's, his wife was a really good skier, or still is. Um, and he's a good skier. They're, they're from Canada. He, he travels the whole world just doing yeah, heli winter, tour. Winter, winter, winter. Yeah. And so he's like, I've told him that I can snowboard, but I'm not great. And he's just got this expectation because of your surfing that you probably just send it. Yeah, yeah. So, like, the first first day we're there, you know, he's taking me up onto these, you know, cliffs and, you know, all this. We've got avalanche packs on and all this shit. Yeah. And um, I'm like, man, I, I don't think you realize, like, I'm not that good. Can we start <laughs> off on something pretty easy? Yeah. And uh, he's like, no, you're right. You're good. And um, ski is, like, you know, obviously, like, pretty tight, you know, runs and, and pretty sort of challenging stuff. And I was like, I'd like something, you know, pretty wide open. Mm. And um, 
man, the first thing that he, he dropped us off on, I was just like, wow, this is hectic. You know, I nearly killed myself. I caught an edge going through like a really tight, is that a crevasse they call it or something? Um, or something like that, a little canyony sort of yeah, like, like a, a canyon, like two ridges, a ridge. Yeah. 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 Like two ridge lines caught an edge and just started cartwheeling Fuck that. and, um, and he, he actually seen it because he was behind me. He let me go first. And um, he's like, throwing you in the deep end, eh, bro? <laughs> you know how they talk? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, fucking prick. Um, but yeah, and, and I went over. I've been over twice since. And it's like my little getaway. Love yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. But he's, it's, you can easily, you know, get, get yourself. Out. You can get caught out. And yeah. like he's, he's even taken us to runs that he hasn't done or just heard of or his friends have marked out mm. and like i'm like i'm way in over my head but it was cool because like i've seen people do that and surf where i'm looking at him just going you shouldn't be out here you shouldn't be out here yeah. he's like he's given me the look before like yeah. nah like yeah let's see and everything can... looks pretty safe in the snow there it's... was a few things that well, i was like yeah what are you doing like, yeah and it, i could tell he was freaked out that i was there and i'm like this is sketchy yeah but I, he he was like no no he, it's sweet like but i could see in his eyes that he was freaking yeah i yeah. i definitely like because we grew up in Cairns, so like put me in the outback with no nothing like just give me some water and i'll i feel pretty confident camel. i feel pretty confident i'm coming home yeah but if you if you left me on that fucking hill in alaska go on who knows if i yeah. came home like it's it's just, a, I guess, what you're used to as well. But, like, I feel super uncomfortable when I'm in, like, backcountry snowboarding well, sort of situation. I guess it wouldn't take that long, right? If you didn't have the right stuff. That's the thing. You, it's a race against a clock, really. And it's do's and don'ts, man. Like, if yeah. you... Like, I know cert, like I know do's and don'ts, It's say, in, like, an outback situation where I can... You know where you can walk, where you can drink, where what fish you can eat, what yeah. fish you can't eat. What like there's just that kind of checklist. But you're growing up with that exactly, and you you, you don't even know. Well, you that's don't just know second, what you don't know. That's just second nature, but yeah, you throw yourself in a whole different element, and they're just like, well, you just don't know the kind of stuff that can catch you out, and like they're looking at ridge lines, going like avalanche, avalanche. No, that's yeah, sweet. exactly. And they look to us, they look the exact. And same. like he's saying, like don't cut. You're gonna to have to bomb this line because yeah, if you cut the, if you the start, pack will go yeah. yeah, and he's like, no, you straight down, and then you can start turning. I'm like, fuck that. Are you serious? I don't need that. <laughs> but but I, I sometimes relate what you guys do in your big wave realm to um, being like backcountry skiing. It's like a lot of first oh, yeah. descents are going down. You know what I mean? It's like For sure. it's unforgiving. There's no um, like you think about. Like, pipe's heavy as fuck, obviously. Like, we know yeah. that's not, like, a joke wave. But a pipe is, like, the half pipe at the ski resort. Yeah, exactly. The ski resort's right there. The medics are right there. You know what I mean? Like, yes. you can kind of get back to the... You can get back to the resort, in a way. Yes. Obviously, it's fucking dangerous to send it in the half pipe, but you're closer. But when you go out to, like, the right and cow bomby and, you know, like, those kind of, you know, nausea, you're off cliffs. So, it's like, what you guys do to me is almost like leave the ski resort and go way out. And especially try and survive in a way. Especially in Oz, too, you know, like, a lot of these spots are in the middle of nowhere. The right is literally 
in the middle of nowhere. So Pete, is that like people know where that is or is that still kind of under wraps? It's still pretty under wraps, yeah. Yeah. How like, many dudes do you reckon have surfed it? Oh, look, probably 28 or 30. I don't know. That not, few people. Yeah. Well, there's not a whole lot of people that Can. want to surf it. Yeah. Or they surf it once and they don't go back. Yeah. I mean, I don't like surfing it that yeah. much. You know, I've, I've surfed it a lot. I'm happy with what I've done out there. I don't really have anything else to prove. Um, and it's not really a huge focus getting whipped into, you know, waves like that. You know, I'm really keen to push the boundaries of, of paddling in. And I feel like, you know, that's where the future of, you know, big wave surfing is. Obviously, they've gone in separate ways. You know, the toe mm. surfing things, how big is the wave? You know, the biggest wave you can get. The slab things, you know, obviously the biggest barrel. They've all got their place, but I'm pretty happy with, you know, paddling jaws and, and you know, doing that sort of stuff. Um, the consequences, like slab surfing, are way up there. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, you know, places you're like dealing, the right and stuff. And you're not dealing just with the drowning thing. You're dealing with the impact. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like when you fall off there, it's like, you know, the volume of water that's focused on that small part of the reef is just magnified. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, the, the margin for errors is, you know, pretty pretty high. But you can go out and surf and not even fall off. At the right? Yeah. Yeah. But then you can go out and every wave you just get getting pumped. a two wave hold down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But That's fucking heavy. But yeah, I, I definitely relate what you guys do back to more of that whole backcountry. And there seems to be more of like a, you know, like that core element. Of- I, I felt it when I went, I know, you know, there's a whole earn your turns sort of stuff. Yeah, big time, dude. Um, but even when I was doing the heli stuff in New Zealand, like I, it felt exactly the same. Like the elements, like obviously I was in way of my head and like a lot of guys would look at that that are really good skis and go, that was nothing. Piece of piece, yeah. But for me, like it was, it had that same relevance as, as surfing big waves and, and being, you know, nowhere near any sort of safety and, yeah, you know, and, and that, like I loved it. Yeah, you feel well, it's exposed, like, it was eh? such a, a crazy fun feeling, you know. I think... Um, it was fun to be a kook and just... Yeah, I think everything was like be a pretty wild. Yeah, <laughs> I think like it's you. You see guys like look at Shane Dorian with like his hunting, and then you know you see like Mark Healy with his free diving. It's like I feel like the older generation of you, like you big wave guys, there you, is you find you're, you're something. trying to find yeah. that it it does become from the outside like a soulful mission. It's like you exposing yourself against it's real it's raw it doesn't seem like you can't fabricate it there's no bells and whistles there's no it sort of just seems like you really isolated against something that's really hard well it's it's one of those experiences once you've felt um that exposure to elements like that and once you once you've had that feeling of being so close to nature and and things that can potentially harm you you are kind of looking for that you know obviously the surfing side of thing does give that to you but you find it again when you pick up stuff like you know the backcountry skiing or the hunting or the free diving or the spear fishing you know what i mean that i love spear fishing when i do it because it kind of relates a lot to surfing big waves and the, the snowboarding stuff is fun too and i feel like um 
it just rejuvenizes rejuvenizes that feeling that you you got when surfing was fresh. Yeah, and what like what does that then carry back into your normal life? Happiness. <laughs> yeah, and it's but it's like. Um, you know when people get like really frazzled in their life and they get like it i guess caught up and like i'm fucking so busy i don't have time to you know what I mean? like yeah. is there like a calming element of exposing yourself in that way and feeling that vulnerability and like that really like i always talk about a time when i went to scotland i went there for the first time and i stood at the bottom of this mountain and it was it seems fucking kooky but I just stood there and there was these goats that looked like they were three trillion years old. Yeah. And there were these like woolly, um, these like woolly buffalo with like these huge horns. And like, I didn't have any visual of anything man-made. Yes. And everything was behind me that was man-made. And I just saw this landscape that was so big and so old and it was freezing cold and it was stormy. And it like, it gave me this real picture of like insignificance. Yeah. And I think like, I think in a way that I kind of think about when, when I've done that same in Alaska, I had that insignificance of like nature doesn't give a fuck. Like the world doesn't care. No one cares. You're here. Like I guess people care, but the world as a whole will smash you and move on without even blinking an eyelid. And then it's almost like when you take that back into your normal life, it's like a calming thing. Well, nothing, yeah, nothing phases you phases you as much yeah because you're like i felt really insignificant man yeah <laughs> like who cares if like you got a bill to pay yeah or it's overdue two weeks yeah yeah your <laughs> you netflix know? is cut off yeah like it's you know it, it puts everything in perspective yeah i'm um yeah I, I feel like you do get caught up with chasing stuff that takes you away from that though yeah that's what is kind of frustrating a little bit for me like i'd love to focus more on stuff that gives me that yeah but obviously it's not super sustainable it's not super sustainable like you're not you have to be a pretty good hunter to get paid to hunt and yeah. like and then that takes maybe some of the elements away from it if you're getting paid to hunt yeah, because true. you're like expecting this and this yeah so it's like if yeah for me like i'd love to have that feeling with other stuff i'd love to be able to dive more i'd love to be able to go snowboard more but um the reason why i'd like to do that more is because i know what those feelings give me mm. you know and it's i feel like you, you sometimes you chase the wrong things in life and you get caught up in chasing those things where if you bring it back and you focus on chasing things that give you those right feelings then that's uh i think that's when you're on the right track so yeah and then i think using those feelings that you get as a positive on the rest of the stuff so yeah. it's like coming yes. away from a trip and harnessing that feeling and then applying that into life because i think yeah i i definitely can get like fully snapped in that zone of like when you're in you know alaska or scotland or these crazy places or you um like i, I probably don't do enough stuff where i dig have to dig super deep like i've been trying to get a bit of that in training and and want like maybe competitions and stuff like in the future yeah because it's it is good to be in that deep water and then come out of it and then you can apply that but yeah i, th I think that's i guess maybe the the key to it all is like i think you nailed it too when you said that if, if that becomes a job it takes away from that 
because i mean i yeah. i stopped racing motocross when i started filming it for a living yeah right so yeah i was like well i'm over it yes you know you need these i needed that other thing and i had this lifelong passion for racing and then i just was like now nah, i'm done but it's funny now i can kind of appreciate a day out with my mates and i you turn off that competitive side of it. i guess that's what i was trying to say before yeah. with the big wave thing you know like will there be a time where i just like go that's it you know like i don't want to surf big waves anymore i'd be more happy just to yeah to go on an indo trip with my friends and score perfect waves yeah you know um because you do have to be in that state you know like for you when you stop racing moto you're probably like well i'm not just going to go out and try to beat the 14 year old down the local track well it's you like when you know what you were capable <laughs> not that i was ever very good but i could ride at a level that when i stopped doing it like focusing on it a lot i couldn't keep up that level anymore and then it's not interesting and then anymore. it's not fun or yes. you don't get that feeling yeah. yeah you don't want to be like a shit version of yourself that you were and you're living in the past yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah you know yeah. what i mean like yeah. that's what i was trying to get at before yeah i get it you know yeah. um i feel like to do something like that you i for me i'd want to be able to at least sustain my level that i'm at now or at least better myself yeah if that makes sense yeah because i think that's why i ride mountain bikes a lot because when i grew up i raced mountain bikes before i ever raced motocross and we were the kids that lived on bmx bikes yes we didn't have playstations and stuff like that like we were the bmx rats that made jumps in every park and every like ride them everywhere and then i got all i wanted to do was race motocross got into that then stopped when i started filming and now i love riding mountain bikes so much because More, i can yeah. do it at 70 percent and keep up with everyone and i can like i'm competitive but without risking it the way that you have to risk it to yeah be on a motocross bike like yeah it makes to, sense to go to have fun on a motocross bike i've got to be pretty uncomfortable and like my fitness isn't as good i'm yeah fucking getting sideways i'm scaring myself i don't want to do those jumps anymore so then yeah you're like this isn't fun now because i have to try so much harder than i ever did and now and i'm sketchy when i am doing the shit that used to be super easy, easy yeah yeah <laughs> so that's why i like mountain biking because i'm like oh, i can just cruise at 70 percent, and it feels as good as 100 percent. yeah like exactly. if i'm going 100 percent on a mountain bike i'm like what are you doing dude like yeah. just relax so yeah. yeah i can't yeah i get what i get where you're going with that one now. yeah yeah it's just it's hard to know until you're in that space or you know and people yeah. change too they do that's the thing where yeah like the stuff that is interesting or fulfilling at one point in your life just doesn't give you the same thing well and i think it's back to that point yeah that you're getting that feeling because you were sending it so much or yeah. you're at such a high level and then when you, you when you're not at that level anymore and you're not pushing it it doesn't give you that feeling anymore because you're not there yeah you know yeah, like, I, haven't thought about, I haven't thought about it that way as much yeah I've, yeah and I, I feel like that's why you know people try to chase other things yeah that give them that feeling of being fresh again like hunting or spearing or something or snowboarding well i guess like yeah like you said it it, it is good to be a white belt oh yeah a lot of times because i think that's probably well i guess too because there's like so much growth in that phase yeah you yeah, know what i mean respond, you have to learn yeah yeah and a lot of time a lot of times you got to learn quick yeah because you've thrown yourself in the deep and you got that mentality of pushing yourself in that same sort of arena 
and then you think you can just go do that somewhere else it's kind of like you got to learn pretty quick and that's exciting yeah and then i guess too is like the better you get at surfing or whatever then the harder you have to push to get that same white belt feeling oh for sure and then that's when you like you said you start getting into that sketchy territory yeah exactly yeah even now yeah like yeah Big like for, for me like i have fun surfing ways around here but i it doesn't do much for me yeah that's what i was gonna actually yeah. say like how fun is it to go and surf like head high waves it must feel pretty it's it's fun but that must be all like because i i like i picture but it's not amazing yeah, and it's I picture not. me duck diving a wave next year and seeing the thing that's broken in front of us. Like, let's say, like a big day at Snapper, and I'm probably fucking packing, and you're just like, not one bit. There's no. not you're not even looking at it like a thing. No, because I remember like that again that white belt stage of when I was first surfing, to that everything looked like it was going to blow my hands off the board and hold me down for longer than I wanted, and then gradually you go but like so you have taken that to this level of the scary part is though is that when you are at that level and then like i was saying earlier with the the younger generation pushing it to the next level it gets pushed to a level like when i was at nazare that you aren't happy to continue with yeah like there was a couple of days where i was like i'm over it i'm not i'm not into this yeah and that's hard to, to kind of swallow. come to, to swallow. Yeah. But I was, for the first time in my whole career, I was actually really comfortable. Okay with it. Yeah. I was okay with it. I was like, no, like I don't need to do this. Yeah. That's like, almost got to be a relief in itself. It was, it was the best feeling that I've had in a long time. Like I left the airport and instead of being in regret, I was happy with it. Just obviously there was a few things in my mind saying oh maybe i should have like what am mm. i doing but like in my heart i knew that i made the right decision like I, I was happy with walking away and and not pushing it whereas like when i was younger it would have eaten me mm. like it would have just been like you pussy like you know what the hell are you doing sort of yeah. thing you know like but it's pretty fun it's it's a good feeling being in that state where you you're comfortable enough to to know well you're driving the ship at that point yeah which yeah i guess that when you're going against your best judgment you're really not the one that's in control yeah and it's uncomfortable you're always on edge yeah so i guess yeah it did it it would have felt good to be like oh i'm I'm the captain now i'm i'm fucking doing this thing yeah yeah, but it's also like a feeling that you you there's other feelings that come with it too like it's a bit of a changing of the guard like yeah you see the bigger picture you see this younger generation coming like like that and like you're almost happy that they're it's like they're taking they're, the pressure off you yeah they're, like, they're holding the flag to go like yeah next level and and so you kind of kind of get used to that feeling but you i feel like you generally enjoy yourself a bit more mm. yeah well, mate, we'll shut it down. It's been fucking rad talking to you. Um, it has. Let, I've loved it. Get, give everyone your social details and your whole thing and, and maybe that press stuff you've been working on, just whatever shout-outs you can throw out, throw them out there. Yeah, I mean, just for now, I just do that stuff to stay sharp so I don't drown. Yeah. But, yeah, we, we've got classes um, every Tuesday afternoon at Palm Beach. Yep. And it's, yeah, it's... How, would, how do people find that? Um, I've got an Instagram... Yep. Um, breath performance just go on that 
send us a hit. I've got my number on there. Just give us a text if you want to join in. It's that simple. Sounds good. And uh, everybody keep an ear out. I'll post your podcast when it goes up. We'll um, let well, everyone know. We'll have to have another chat. Yeah. Continue it. Yeah, I'll come on yours. We'll, <laughs> yeah, bloody, we'll keep going. Right, no, I appreciate it. I hope you've, I hope you've had fun. It's been yeah, it. good talking to you, dude. Epic. Sounds yeah. good, mate. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no dramas. <laughs> Thanks for having me, mate. <laughs>